Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello, everyone. Hello, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, the curmudgeon himself, Bob Odenkirk's long-lost twin, welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. We have an exciting show for everyone today as we continue the hero project this week the bandwagon's top 10 heroes from the marvel comic book universe of course not doing this alone everyone is here from the bandwagon today on this memorial day monday we've got the live studio audience himself mr pc funny pc tony i know i don't care no just kidding um what was it I, i got it wrong pizza funny pizza funny that's right pizza funny we've got the reverend ray cash he's already run down my list before we've even got on the show and we've got the lawyer himself my good friend mr david ungar who joined me talking some some toronto maple leaf folding uh yesterday as as it's not looking good for the leaves but it's uh yeah it's memorial day when this show is dropping so Real quick, uh, just, again, no matter how you celebrate, take a moment to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Because that's what Memorial Day is really about. It is a day of memorial for those soldiers who have fallen in defense of our nation. Um, And so, dreary weekend that it is, uh, we're here extending dogs here for the weekend. Uh, welcome, dogs. How how are how have we been spending our Memorial Day weekend? Other than Dave, who's been taking care of the dogs, um, I I've been watching golf in the weirdest way possible because the NCAA championships are this weekend. They started on Friday, and it's a tournament that's not televised for the first four rounds of what is a six round tournament. It's a fascinating sort of thing. So. There are 30 teams that 30 universities make the tournament, right? And for the first four games, our first four rounds, it's stroke play with a cumulative total. Um, you you take five golfers, you drop the worst score, and that's your like your cumulative total. After three rounds, the top 15 advance to one more uh, stroke play round where it narrows it down to a final eight. The final eight teams after stroke play go into match play beginning tomorrow or um, beginning Tuesday to determine a national champion in golf. It is really interesting. Uh, But the golf channel covers the final rounds, like the match play rounds. But until then, you have to go to golfstats.com and follow a live leaderboard where right now Oklahoma State is currently leading the field. My University of Illinois Fighting Illini are in third in an attempt to make the cut to the top 15. So a lot of fun. It's just weird because you can't actually watch it. Uh, there's like a way to stream it, I, I've I've heard, but it, it's, from what I understand, it's not great. So that's how I've been spending my Memorial Day weekend. Fellas, what about what about you all? How, how's the bandwagon been going? Ray, other than critiquing my, my list, you know, getting pre-med, for my list, uh, what you been? What you been doing this weekend? Hey, I'm just practicing for the show, brother. Um, 
<laughs> no, uh, I am out of the town. I'm out of town with a lady friend. And uh, so we've been catching up on movies. She is currently watching your favorite movie of the day, Mr. O'Dowd, Army Good. of the Dead by one Zack Snyder. I got nine minutes into it and I said, this one's not for me. And I turned it off. <laughs> nine minutes? So let me guess, I'm it was a montage a, at the beginning? No, I'm just not a zombie. I'm not, I'm not a zombie blood guy at things. So, so I was just so like, I gave it a try. And I was like, eh, nah. He real, didn't real even quick. get through the introductory credits. Like the, the, the introductory credits are 10 oh, minutes no, I got through that. I got through like oh. the part where the naked uh, ballet or yeah. dancing girls are attacking people, and after that was all done, I was like, "Yeah, they're gonna beat them in the end. I'm good." Click. To your but point. Here, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Beat them in the end is a relative term there. No, not really. I mean, yeah. To your point though, about how you how you y'all feel about well, how you particularly feel about Zack Snyder, she was like during the montage, she was like, "Damn, how long is this montage gonna go?" And I was like, for Zack Snyder movies, this is pretty short. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That was the I will say that was the Zack Snyderiest part of the whole movie. Really. Yeah. Like the scope of the way he makes movies, that like 10 minute slow motion, this is how we got to where we are introduction, which he's done before. He did it in Watchmen, Watchmen as well. Yeah. Watchmen was basically the exact same open, slow motion, getting you to getting you to where they were in the present. Dave, did you have you seen Army of the Dead yet? Yes, I have. I'm actually going to write the review uh, probably today because I know I saw Back to School showed up. Um, I liked it. I disagree with you vehemently that it's better than Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League, but it's but a. You know how I feel about you know how I feel about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like that's not a like. Of course, you're going to disagree with me on that. I mean, metric. I tell <laughs> you, it's a good movie. I think where Zack doesn't. His his weakest point, I know it's it's not the slow motion stuff. It's he tries to inject emotion into his movies at the wrong moment, and that's what I felt like. Especially the He's end with movies. with Bautista and his daughter, the shit at the end. I was just like kind of cringing. I'm like, this is so fucking forced and feels so unnatural, and it's just mm-hmm. there's no place for it. So it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong, I liked it, but um, I mean the the zombie aspect is unique. Like intelligence, spoiler alert. yeah. Spo- there, this is a spoiler-free show. Remember? Well, no, no, no. Spoiler alert. This week's Patrick O'Dowd's nerd review score for Army of Dead will be two point five out of five. <gasps> oh, my goodness. score will still be higher It'll... than yours. So, <laughs> no East German score this this week. Two point five out of five is what I consider average. You got to see. Like, I'm just I'm just surprised you didn't give him like two point five two one six nine. I don't know if you know. Three point three point one four. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Patrick's pie review. Three point one four. The Fibonacci sequence is coming for one of these damn <laughs> one of these I, damn things. The whole like I did not hate the movie. Like sitting there watching, like it, I said this in the bandwagon nerds chat. It was the epitome of fine for me. Like I watched, it was like this is fine. Like yeah. it had good action pieces the the characters were enjoyable enough. I am not a fan and have never been a fan of the fast zombie genre. Like the fast zombie thing is like, I, I will say that as a kid and, and Christopher Platt talked about this last week, George, George Romero's like zombie setting of, and, and why I always loved those zombie flicks is it's not about, zombies evolving it's about the relentlessness of 
of zombies that they never stop that they're always coming that you really it's an overwhelming number and that's what really is the ultimate downfall is that there's just there's so much and it can and, and they don't stop that that's why you can't win not because sorry again spoiler alert that you get smart zombies who run fast and can apparently breed, which like, like that, the mythology stuff, like his zombie mythology for that movie. I did not like it all. I just didn't like it. It's not my thing. And that's why like, I didn't love the movie. Like, I also think that zombie movies are always fast and loose with rules. Like, I love how some people get bitten by a zombie and like 30 seconds later, they're a zombie. And then other people apparently, you know, last, you know, last a day in a vault, drive to Utah, fly a plane to Mexico before they start being like, oh, I'm turning into a zombie. Like, the fuck? Like, what? Stop. So, of course, I have qualms, but it was fine. A lot of great action pieces. You know, which when you do action set pieces that that are interesting, all over the, the zombie hibernation thing, like whatever. So, anyway, there's your there's your Patrick O'Dowd's poo pooing of Army of the Dead. It's pretty light. It's too damn long, too. It's two and a half. You know, almost three hours. Yeah, long. it is. <laughs> That's kind a of lot. Of when I saw the time on it when we started, I was like, "What the fuck? A two and a half hour long a zombie people, movie?" A lot of people. Like there was like a whole Twitter thread about how it was too long. And I thought that was kind of hilarious. So like, like that people were just so mad about it. Um, right. So this week uh, we're going to keep the, the kind of the format that we did last week going. It's been, I, I commented on this. There was so much news that happened around the nerdosphere this week that I couldn't include it all. And so I went with four stories that I hope, we're, we're worth co- you know conversating about with you all uh of course we're going to talk about the big one the amazon purchase to, to wrap up news around the nerdosphere I, I don't think we can avoid that one um but just a lot of comic book movie television show news that that floated out there and like we're not even going to talk about how jj abrams in an interview admitted that maybe he needed to do a little bit more thinking before putting together these star wars movies that he put out uh which I, I'm, I'm going to be smug about and be like, yup, you should have. Uh, but then, you know, we'll take our, we'll take our first break and we'll go into the hero project for Marvel comics, have a second break, finish him up. And then go into Patrick O'Dowd as a question and a pretty solid show. I think today let's get to it. Let's start with some news around the Nerdosphere. And we're going to start with a couple of pieces of casting news in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the first one we're going to talk about is a surprise. At least it was a surprise to me. It was announced by multiple sources today that Aaron Taylor Johnson, who many of you would remember as playing Pietro slash Quicksilver in Avengers Age of Ultron, has been cast in Sony's Craven the Hunter role. And I'm just going to start. I'm disappointed that my Roman Reigns prediction did not happen. I really thought he would have been a great... I concur. For Craven. Absolutely. Absolutely. But... What are our thoughts on Aaron Taylor Johnson getting another crack at the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some way? Like, I don't know if it's and, and is it really the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Do we think it's going to happen? Because it's part of the Sony Spider-Man oh. Spider-Verse. And there's rumors abound that 
No Way Home is going to connect to the Sony-verse. So, Dave, you shook your head no, so I'm going to pick on you first. Your thoughts first on the casting and the connections. As far as the casting goes, I think he needs to bulk up. That's the first thing that comes to mind is his guy is a little bit too thin to portray Craven the Hunter right now. Now, that certainly doesn't mean he can't bulk up, can't work out. Oh, that's that's some body shaming there, man. Wow. what's a, it, uh... It's not body shaming. It's just he's too... Th- if you... Well, I don't have to tell you. I know who's number one on your list. <laughs> you know who Craven is. We all know who Craven is. That is not... Craven right now. I mean, he's awfully thin. Roman would have been a perfect pick because he could have just stepped at plug and play, you know, that sort of thing. Um, acting wise, I think he can do an excellent job in the role based on what, uh, you know, what Craven is and what he's all about. I mean, this is the same guy who played kick ass. So he's got a pedigree in these superhero movies. I just think I looked at the casting and I looked at him and, you know, when, when I look at these things and I say, does this person I'm looking at, make me believe that he can play the role that he's been cast for. I looked at that. And I said, not at this moment. Doesn't mean that can't change, but that was my first concern is that he really needs to bulk up some. He's way too thin for Craven the hunter. Um, as far as the connections, I mean, look, anything's, anything's possible. And, and you know, I think Sony's trying to maintain their own version of the spider verse with a lot of these standalone kind of, Stories, I know that a standalone concept is something we're going to talk about in a little bit later on with another movie that's rumored to be coming out. But I, yeah, sure. I mean, it can connect. I would love to see a rogues gallery of of Spider-Man villains in a MCU Spider-Man version after No Way Home if they're going to bring in the Spider-Verse and get Peter, Miles, all these villains. I mean, Spider-Man's got out of the Marvel characters, probably the best rogues gallery of villains that there is. He's similar to Batman in that respect. And so, yeah, get a, get a few of them in there. Uh, Craven's got a great story. There's a lot of uh, things they can do with that. So I hope they connect it. I, I'd like to see a movie with, with Craven, with Venom, with Carnage, with Tobey Maguire, with all this stuff going on. I, yeah, sure. Well, they, it's just, you know, it's like anything. I have great faith in Marvel. And, and that's the one thing I should preface is... It, the casting decision here, this is sounds like a Sony casting decision, not necessarily a Marvel casting decision, which I have less faith in. So we'll see what happens. But I, I hope they connect them all, Pat. I really do, because Craven's one of those iconic characters that can lend to some really, really good storytelling if they do it the right way. I think I think it's really interesting that you you got to put the qualifier on who did the casting, right? Like like we got to reverse. Sony look. made this decision, not Kevin Feige. So there they, there is always that. And their track record is not what Marvel's is as far as casting goes. That's true. Andrew Garfield. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Woody Harrelson's you- Carnage. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm down for that. Don't even don't even go there. I think Woody Harrelson's gonna nail that shit. Woody isn't the problem. It's that shitty no ass wig. Yeah. Well, well they got rid of it. Look at that. Watch the new. Watch the yeah, newest. It's better. Like they yeah. they fixed the hair. Like everybody freaked out over the hair. At the end of Venom, they brought it back. So right, like Tony's face. He's still reacting to it over there. Poor guy. You okay, man? You gonna you need some comforting on any level now that they fixed the hair? You you can make it. <laughs> oh he's got he's got he's got the he's got the beer thank goodness for that um ray what do, what do you think what do you, what are your thoughts 
So I had two initial thoughts. First off, I was right with Dave that he's too small. But then I remembered Kick-Ass. And if you remember later on in the first one and in Kick-Ass 2, he got really swole. So he does have a thinner frame, but he got really swole, which makes me feel a little more comfortable about the size situation. Um, only because the character is such a huge hulking figure. And that was my second thought. They really want to stick with kind of the original origin of Craven being kind of like an Eastern European dude. And Aaron Taylor Johnson has effectively played someone from an Eastern European country. So that's that was my immediate connection. Um, but I'm bummed only because I think the dude is really, really good at what he does. But I would have liked to have seen this make somebody else, you know, like it's, I, I'm cool with recycling. I get it. But like this is a role that is so unique and so different and so clamored for that you could have really either taken the shot and gotten like a superstar that everybody would be like, wow, or given someone a rub to like, like imagine like Kit Harrington playing um, uh, Black Knight. Black Knight. Kit Harrington is a superstar on TV, but he's not really a superstar in the movies. This is like the old oh, shit. Here you go. I, I would have liked to have seen something similar to that. None, alas, it's not to be, it's not the case. It's not to be, but, um, I am, there's very, there's already a kind of a concrete connection between the Sony-verse and the MCU because um, Michael Keaton's vulture is in Morbius. And it's in the same pretense of him being in jail. So there's already a link. So I'm sure there's going to be more. And you know, there's rumors of plenty floating around. The rumor now is that Far From Home's main villain is going to be Willem Dafoe. His Norman right. Osborn's Green Goblin. Oh. I don't know about that, but that's the rumor of, that's floating around. Um, I just want it to be sensical. I don't give a fuck how to do it. I don't give a fuck how fantastical it is, but I right. don't want this to just be a Spider-Man's wet dream. You need to make this shit right. make sense to me. You're, you're, attending the, you're attending the PC Tunney School of Thought in that you want him to tell a good story and yes. you want it to be a coherent story. So yeah, I get you. I hear that. I do. I do think that there. That's a legitimate. That's a legitimate concern because if you're throwing all this noise at a movie, that can be hard to follow. Mm-hmm. What's What's the end game here for the Sony Spider Verse or whatever? Right? Are they building here, or are they just like, hey, we're going to give you these one offs, and if you like it, great. If you don't, too fucking bad. You know? Because we're getting what Venom Two and Morbius right before that. Right. This isn't coming out till 2023, I think. Yeah, but they also they're... got they also got Silver Sable movie they're working on. They got a Black Cat movie they're working. on. They got a whole bunch of random ass right. Spider Man secondary the, characters. I, so yeah, what I understand from what I understand is that the goal, at least for the villain group, for at least the first go around, is a Sinister Six movie. And Sinister Six is the most, I would argue, the most well known Peter Parker. Spider-Man storyline in a positive way. Like the Clone Saga is probably the most infamous Spider-Man storyline, but Sinister Six has been has been around since the 60s, has been recycled at least four times that I can think of off the top of my head in various iterations. And this seems to be allegedly, like rumor has it, where they're trying to go for the for kind of like for their avengers like that's their like their avengers goal is the sinister six sort of story and then we'll see what happens and and you know black cat silver sable silver sable will um we'll just have to wait and see 
what those actually pan out to be, if they pan out to be. Like they could, this could go the way of the various attempts that DC has made to have a universe where things get started and scrapped and started and scrapped. Yeah, that's worked um, out well. Well, and that's cool. uh, let's let's call a spade a spade with Sony. Sony has shit the bed with Spider-Man basically since they pissed off Sam Raimi all the way back in the goings to making Spider-Man 3. And there's the uh, movie that that is the template for how you can fuck things up by throwing too much shit at people at right. once. Spider-Man. Well, and that, and yes. that was that was just a big that was a battle between studios and creator and it went and it went badly and he pissed all over Venom. Like that's that's what it was because he didn't want Venom in the movie, so he pissed all over him. So yeah, I, I'm right there with you guys that there that there are concerns. Um, Venom was not a terrible movie; it wasn't a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. More to come, I suppose. The other casting news that came out. Uh, is really not so much news as just finally confirmation as it was revealed. Oscar Isaac finally revealed to the world, I think via his Instagram, that he will be portraying Moon Knight in an upcoming Disney Plus series. And I don't know, we haven't really talked about Mark Spector too much since since we started the show, other than to acknowledge the rumors uh, Tony, I'll start with you because I'm assuming you won't know too much, but thoughts on Oscar Isaac uh, as an actor and jumping into a role, basically picture Batman, but with like spooky Egyptian powers. You know, most times in life you should not assume, but in this instance, you're also correct. And I would, <laughs> right. to li- I would just love to listen to what you guys have to say. I know about Dark Moon. I don't know a lot about the actor and I don't really know about what kind of story they're going to tell with it, but I'm interested to see with more more characters getting introduced here and what is another Disney plus series. So, you know, yeah. where is this going to, where is this going to land? Great cash. The, just the thought process behind the character, a schizophrenic Batman S character who has the powers of Egyptian gods from the moon. It's just like, what the fuck? It's, uh, bon- it, it's bonkers right. as hell, but it works. Now, if I may be a little controversial, my only question and concern, because Oscar Isaac is one of our best actors, I think, like walking right. earth. He's fantastic. Um, my only concern when I, when I, uh, yeah, when I originally heard that he was the guy that they wanted was I know that there is this new kick of um, kind of PC justice in that they want someone playing a character to be of the descent. I don't know if Oscar Isaac is Jewish because Mark Spector is a very notable Jewish character. Now, personally, I don't give a fuck, but I know that may matter to some people. And I don't know if that's going to be kind of a dark cloud over this, the show. And for all I know, he may be Jewish. I don't know, but that was just my original assumption. And I'm hoping it's not because he'll kill the role, but I I don't know how that's going to play out when this thing starts shooting. Yeah, it's been kind of quiet right now, um, which is a little bit surprising, you know. And, and I think um, there's a there's a term for it, the like um, the virtue signaling stuff. But I'm, but I mean, think about it, Patrick. People lost their no, mind. No, I'm not at, disagreeing with you at all. Right, right. I'm just saying people lost their mind at the kid uh, from Game of Thrones that played um, uh, Iron Fist when right. the character he played the character literally the way it was written. It's just right. because nowadays things are so different, which isn't necessarily bad. It's just different. 
So I'm wondering, Finn Jones, that's his name, I believe. Danny Rand is a white kid. So Finn Jones yep. was the perfect casting for that. Oscar I I, Mark Spector was... isn't Oscar Isaac. Right. I don't know that I don't know that it was so much about the casting of of Finn as it was the it's the mythos of the Iron Fist and the White Savior stuff of the character. Yes. Yes, that, that that was what that was real like it wasn't so much a problem with the casting it was that this the the storyline the iron fist storyline that they ran with was the was the original the og the danny rand sort of deal and that that was really where people struggled so it'll be i think you're right i think it'll be interesting to see where they go again i think we've had a lot of faith in marvel and feige mm-hmm. and, and the people that they put in charge there so we'll we'll have to wait and see Dave, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the official announcement of Oscar Isaac in the Moon Knight role? First, let me jump on my soapbox real quick as far as the Iron Fist oh. stuff is concerned. It's a fucking comic book, people. Get over your fucking self. It's a story. Jesus Christ. All right, now. As, <sighs> okay. <laughs> it is. It's fucking fiction. I, I, it is fiction. I mean, I think that I think that I think that that argument hurts the argument of narratives that comic books are legitimate literature when we say it's just a comic book some of them some of them are pat watchmen is a work of literature there's a shit ton of comic books that are just comic books and and and, i can agree with that but uh uh, is a graphic novel i can agree with that yeah absolutely v for vendetta graphic novel dark knight returns graphic novel. i would would argue i would argue if you look at a lot of long if you look at a lot of long running standing comic books, there's real elements of literature and reflections. Like I'll argue, I wrote a fucking paper about spawn and it's, it's connection is a work of art. I think Spider-Man and Stan Lee in particular, and the way that he wrote, even in the sixties and the seventies was well ahead of his time in what he was putting out there as a narrative for comics. So I hear you. And I, I also, I also caution because Bill Maher, loves to do this where he likes to where he likes to run down the medium of comic books as worthless kid stuff silly stories that children only little kids and that people like us in our 30s 40s or whatever 50s are emotionally stunted man babies because we like comics and so that's no argument about wrestling fans it's yeah i was about to say it sounds like wrestling fans actually very yeah. much so but anyway, as far as the, Oscar Isaac, let's talk yeah, about the, Oscar let's Isaac on behalf of Jewish people everywhere, I think I can state this, that Moon Knight is not the character that's known by such a wide range of people that I, I, I don't have a great concern about some sort of inadvertent backlash due to the casting decision. I agree with Ray. Oscar Isaac's a great choice. Um, I think this is a good opportunity to introduce another one of these fringe characters that's in the MC, that's in Marveldom that you can bring into the MCU and 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 there's some really cool stuff they can do with him. They he is very Batman-esque. Um, but he's not Batman, let's be honest. But he's got some of that element to him. So I I think yeah, Oscar Isaac is and I know, you know, Poe Dameron, he's probably the only part of Rise of Skywalker that Pat doesn't have a problem with. So he's um he's a good choice. I mean, I, I, that's like, maybe not, I, I, I like Dave, the casting. Why? I, I have no concerns about him similar to, uh, Aaron Johnson that we were talking about earlier. Nope. So I think, um, 
I, I like I like the call. I mean, I'm glad that we're going to see Moon Moon Knight and She Hulk are the two story the two series coming out that I'm most intrigued with because it's like okay, these are characters that aren't as widely known as some of the other ones, and they've got good people playing these roles. So I, I'm excited about it. They went and got stars. Tatiana yes. Mosley is a star from Black Mirror. So like, yeah. they did the smart idea by building up a lesser known franchise with the name people know. And again, this is Marvel casting, not Sony. So I have much more confidence in this. Confidence is high. That's Repeat, fair. confidence is high. Negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. Okay. When, is Top, when is Top Gun so, 2 coming out? I mean, I, I'm... Who gives a fuck? Are you serious? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Shut up. We're done. Top Gun 2. Top Gun original. the knee. Wait a second. Yeah, Tony, you're whoa, over there whoa, drinking whoa, whoa, light whoa. beer from Miller, so you just be quiet, young man. Did either of you see it in the movie theater? I did. Watch it now. Dare you to watch it when you get done with this show today. Tell me how good that movie is. It's horrible. <laughs> Go ahead, Patrick. I'll let you jump in on this one. <laughs> you know, for all the shit I take on this show for my for my opinions uh, on various projects that, that you guys are like no no patrick you go after tony for his dislike of top gun you sons of bitches are so full of it i'm done with you all i'm done you know what tony hate away you go ahead and hate top gun i'm still gonna get a little sad when goose dies and that's okay um though he does kind of die in the stupidest way ever like hits his head on the way out like, <laughs> The fact that you brought that full circle there, Patrick, was beautiful. You like that? Yeah. That's that's, that's Pico Dowd right there. Let's stay on target. Watch the canopy and what kills him. The canopy. Go ahead. So here's the thing about this next story. So a rumor came out. Uh, our article was published. This is on our, from our good friends at Screech Rant. So salt shakers at the ready, everyone. Though it was picked up by some other outlets. Um, but a report is saying that Todd Phillips, who wrote, uh, who directed and co-wrote the original Joker movie, has been brought on officially to co-write Joker 2. Now, uh, of course, anybody who remembers, Joker was uh, was a big-time critical success. It exists outside of the DC extended universe canon, whatever you want to call it. Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for multiple awards, uh, won several, including an Oscar for Best Actor. I guess my question is, I, I have mixed feelings about this as a sequel, if that makes sense. Like, it's it's a really great movie. Does it, does it need a sequel? Does it warrant a sequel? I get that there's money in the sequel. Um, we, I mean, when the movie ends, it's not like Joaquin Phoenix is character doesn't have anywhere to go but you know i just i don't know i don't know how i feel so tony you got your finger up why don't you why don't you look like you got a thought why don't you lay it out can this get connected in any which way to robert pattinson and what he's doing with the young batman i mean what are the time scheduling for things coming out ray don't shit on my parade yet i didn't even get the goddamn question out yet no, my, my, my bad. It was. It was. I had. I had an itch. I had an itch. That yeah, he raised like, dude, just stop your question. It happened. <laughs> I guess that's just wishful thinking from DC guys. That hopefully at some point down the line we get some sort of connection. But I guess I don't know. That's 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 what I would like to see. I'm okay with it. I I thought Joaquin Phoenix did a good job. I there's parts of that movie I enjoyed, and there's parts of that movie I didn't like so much. So 
the interesting thing about the movie to me, and I got I've never talked about talked about Joker with you guys. Um, I have, and I had a myriad of opinions about the movie. But the interesting thing about the movie is they leave it so open to interpretation if that shit even happened at the right. end of it. So now, if we're assuming that the shit did happen in the movie and that he wasn't just in a psychotic state. There is that was strictly an origin story because he didn't do anything Joker esque except for kill Robert De Niro. So you could have the rise of the Clown Prince of Crime, which could be a whole movie. I don't think there needs to be a sequel because I enjoyed, for lack of a better term, the kind of the Elseworlds side of DC as one off special movies. That right. to me was like go at it have a have a blast with it that was kind of my thing if you just make it like regular dc you kind of kill the 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 specialness of it to me by just having sequels and trilogies and just do it leave it alone to your point tony i didn't mean to poo poo on your shit because you could shoot 20 years later only reason i said no initially is because in the movie when he sees fucking bruce bruce is like seven so like patterson is like 25 at this point. So that's like 20 years and I would need to know what happened in that gap. If they so were what, what about the theory that floated out there that Joaquin Phoenix's character wasn't the Joker necessarily, but was the inspiration for the man who eventually becomes the Joker? Have, have y'all read the new comic that came out a couple years ago, The Three Jokers? Yeah. Well, we talked about it on the show. Um, we did. I think it was. I think it was an episode because Dave and I talked about it during one of the Comic Con episodes, right? Or with the DC convention, one of the DC streaming shows. Fandom. That's what it was because they had a panel on it on Fandom, and I remember that was one of the highlights that we pulled out of it. Um, so I'd yeah, be interested to have that as a reference. That that would interest me. That would be the one thing that would make me say, "Hmm, need to check this out." Right, Dave. What about you? What do you got? Yeah, I'm kind of like Ray. I'm not sure how I feel about this. It didn't seem like a movie that was really set up for a sequel. And Joaquin Phoenix did a tremendous job at portraying the Joker, probably the most effect, clearly the most effective portrayal of the character since Heath Ledger did it. I mean, not that we've got a lot to compare to other than Jared Leto, but um, I thought Joaquin Phoenix captured the maniacal nature of the Joker as well as anybody. Um, the thing about the movie was that if you're going to do a sequel, then you kind of conf- have to almost confirm that, yes, he was, in fact, the Joker. And and where do you go from there? Because the first one was all about his descent into madness leading into the rise of anarchy. Where do you go with the sequel? And to go to Tony's point, if you're not tying this into Batman, then really you're going to I I have some concerns about what kind of story they're going to tell, because more of just Joker madness without a protagonist to oppose him leads to some issues. And as far as a sequel is concerned, you almost have to get Batman involved, even to a minor extent, to kind of really make that movie something special, um, because if it's just going to be more of the same I'm not sure I'm I'm into that because it's like, well, I know all about the Joker and how much deeper into madness can we descend before it's just overkill? So the rise of the rise of Gordon, maybe? Could that be the the Yeah, but you've already yeah, done, you know. done that in Gotham on TV. Do we need that again? 
but you almost they're, need... well, they're doing it again. Was the, the Gotham PD movie that's going to be showed is going to be on HBO Max? Yeah, they but... have this affinity for the GCPD, which I don't get. But Jim Gordon without Jim, Jim Gordon without yeah Jim Gordon without Batman at some point doesn't work. You know, I mean, you got to yeah. get Batman involved at some point, well, or it just doesn't. And to, bring, and to bring this back to an earlier conversation, is the same thing with what I think the Sony villain verse suffers with. Like this is why Spider-Man I said there's not Spider Man is 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 troublesome. Exactly, DC and, villain, you know, Batman villains without Batman at some point seems challenging because because at some point you're like, where does the where does it end? Like, where does it end if we keep just seeing the Joker and gain in, in power and nobody stops? And, and, the, <laughs> and the stakes are higher here because you're not just talking about a Batman villain. You're talking about the Batman, the Batman villain. villain. Yeah. Can, can I ask you all a question just real quick? And then it doesn't have sure. to be a long question. All right. Well, just, I'll ask everybody except for Mr. Pizza Funny. Uh, <laughs> um, do y'all think that Joker and Batman are so intrinsically to connect it that their rises have to match? Or can there have been a Joker for a long time and then Batman finally comes? Well, I mean, we've never really seen it another way, I guess. Okay. So it would be an interesting take on, on an origin story, like an older Joker. Um, you know, Batman's origins often are brought in. And this is the thing that I find fascinating. And it's kind of great that you bring this up because I've been watching the old animated series. Batman comes to power and comes to be because the result of petty crime and then organized crime. It's not the Joker necessarily. That is the reason that he gets started unless you're Tim Burton. And even then it's still petty crime. The Joker isn't created until later. And it is an older Joker. It's Jack Nicholson. Like Jack Nicholson was much older at the point when he becomes the Joker in the, in the Tim Burton movie. Uh, and because Batman got its start in being a detective, detective comics. There's there's a reason he was buying. That's the thing that to to kind of turn this a little bit. Go watch the old animated series. He does detective work mm-hmm. throughout, like most of the early part of that. Like there there's exotic criminals, but he's always doing like forensic stuff, and that mm-hmm. was part of what makes him so cool. And you know, I did so his his creation and his rise of being was always about wanting to work outside of the constraints of a police force, yet do police and detective stuff. Like he could have been a private investigator, really. He could have been Batman PI and, and that would have been fine, but he didn't want that license. You know, he, he didn't want to be Tom Selleck driving around in a, a red car with a butler telling him what to do. He just wanted his butler to tell him what to do while he operated on his own with his own constraints. And that's why the Pattinson movie is supposed to be so good from all the reviews. It's because it's the first time in a feature film we see Batman as the detective. So how about this then? I'm guessing this Robert Pattinson movie obviously is coming out before a Joker 2, correct? Yeah, it's it's well in the can. Right. So how about the second Robert Pattinson Batman movie brings in Joaquin Phoenix in a third you know, essentially third movie, you know, not his own, but then we kind of connect there. You know, the problem is Marvel did such a great fucking job of telling this story and connecting everything. Now, everything that's fiction that has a long story and can connect down the line, we want it to happen, right? Yeah. That's yeah. us that's as fair. comic fans. That's us as movie fans. That's us as sitcom fans. That's us as wrestling fans. That's us as sports fans. You always want to keep the lineage continuing. No one really wants to start over. So, yeah, I mean... You said it before, Patrick, if the story's good, that's all you can really ask for. And if you can connect it somehow into something else and make it greater, cheers to you. 
Sure. I mean, if DC is going to do, you know, like, like the MCU, not everything has to be a 10 year run. You know, you could have, we saw with the dark Knight trilogy that three movies can be extraordinarily effective. You don't have to have eight years worth of continuity. So if they're just going to run a bunch of trilogies, you know, and run them like that, instead of having everything have one long standing connectivity, then that's probably a good idea for DC at this point, since they haven't been able to implement an extended universe so well. So I think like to Tunney's point, it really depends how Robert Pattinson is received as Batman, because there's still a lot of people out there who are highly skeptical that he can pull this off. Which I find horseshit. If you've ever seen him do anything other than his twilight movies, you would know like watch, um, I think the name of the movie is lighthouse. It's like him and Willem Dafoe. He's a hell of an actor. Yes, he, he, does, like he does more than sparkle with his shirt off. I mean, that's right. There you go. Most people don't know Kristen Stewart or Robert Patterson for anything else but that. But they have done fantastic movie since. So, yeah, good All point. Right. All right. So we're going to move on to our last topic uh, in the Nerdosphere news before we take a quick commercial break. And, yes, Just I'm, want to say one quick thing. You mentioned Tom Selleck. The Friends reunion show is on HBO streaming. It's an hour and 43 minutes long. It's not a episode of Friends, but it's the cast coming back and looking at the set and getting together, doing a couple skits, tons of great guest appearances. If you've ever even watched Friends a couple times and thought it was slightly amusing, you'll highly enjoy this. Just wanted to put that out there. There you go. The biggest news, in my opinion, that happened this week in the Nerdosphere, though, and I, I think that the rest of the panel could agree was the announcement and i don't think it's been finalized yet but amazon has made a deal to buy hollywood studio mgm for almost 8.5 billion dollars it is the second largest acquisition for the company after purchasing whole foods now let's just start with what what they're getting here they're getting a movie catalog of damn near 4,000 movies. They are getting a famous franchise in the James Bond uh, franchise of films. They are getting some huge classics out there, like the original Rocky, the Pink Panther films, the um, Silence of the Lambs. 2001. 2001 a space odyssey they are getting tons of films if this gets approved the deal is not yet closed it has to be it's subject to regulatory approvals um they're already facing antitrust inquiries for for other issues so this this could be a whole lot of nothing but Oh, and MGM owns the Epic's cable channel and runs a TV stu- runs the TV studio that produced A Handmaid's Tale and, and Fargo, uh, the Fargo TV series as well. So, this is this is huge uh, if if it comes through, and we're starting to see the the streaming services as we've talked about stake their claim to various studios. You've got HBO and its flag with Warner Brothers. Paramount Plus is obviously, you know, Paramount Plus, and it's got its CB, CBS family. Amazon now has MGM. Uh, I don't know where Peacock's going to go. Peacock staked its claim to, you know, it's got Universal. its WWE network and it's got Universal. You're right. Yeah, NBC Universal. Netflix 
has we've talked about this in previous episodes and Ray, I think you in particular talked about Netflix is starting to look like they were wise in being their own studio and getting a lot of their own content because existing content is going elsewhere. And I have a feeling we're going to see some exclusivity um, continue to grow with these, with these specific, with these specific streaming services. But uh, initial reaction to the possibility, which is probably a formality, like let's be real, there's no real teeth in the regulatory commissions these days when it comes to this content and streaming. I think this is a this is a thing that will happen. Uh, whoop de doo, Basil. What does it all mean, Dave? Why don't you go first? It's massive. I mean, it is it is it is a paradigm shift because now Amazon Prime. You put all that stuff under the Amazon Prime banner. And you've got, you know, they're they're right there with Disney Plus and Netflix as far as an HBO Max, as far as what they can bring to the table, because you've got you've got series like The Boys and we're all eagerly waiting for The Boys season three. You've got Invincible, which is fantastic. You've got a lot of other things going on. Amazon Prime didn't have so much of like like an anchor store, so to speak, like Disney has with Star Wars and Marvel. HBO's got mm-hmm. that with all the DC yep. stuff and, and 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 Turner Classic movies and things like that. Now Amazon Prime says, "Here's the MGM fucking library, and you can only get it here." That's a big draw for people, and it and it makes Amazon Prime, who, you know, I think up until this announcement, we looked at them as saying, "When I thought of Amazon Prime, I thought Boys and Invincible," and really not much beyond that. Now all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh shit, Boys, Invincible, Rocky." 2001 they suddenly turn into a major player in this whole streaming war that's going on and and it's just beginning the streaming wars are just beginning i would argue at this point they'd be what number three they would certainly if this goes through they're they're bigger than hbo max i would say oh i i don't know if i agree with that at all um i think what 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 you think because because i think the dc warner brothers connection right now like I'll, i'll be straight I watch HBO Max, probably number two. I watch Disney Plus the most, mm-hmm. and then HBO Max is number two, and Netflix is third for me. Um, Amazon Prime is probably four. Like, and, and it's you know splitting hairs either way with the way like whoever watches what. HBO Max's library, I actually think one of the things that this purchase is going to do is it's going to impact HBO Max in a really interesting way because some of the movies I just listed off, um, Poltergeist. Uh, 2001 a space odyssey um there was one other one uh that was on this list uh, let me look singing in the rain uh which is a classic uh film uh the pink panther movies those are all on hbo max right now uh and yeah the tcm what, hub right yeah the turner classic movie hub could could actually become less interesting here's one thing i extremely dislike about Amazon and what they do as far as going in there and and using it as a streaming service. You can put anything in the search engine and they will show it to you. And if they don't right. have it, you can buy it from them. And so the other day I was on Amazon and I just wanted to watch a movie and I'm not going to pay for it. You got tons of shit that I don't have to pay for on here. And I typed in free movies and you know, the first thing that popped up was a bunch of shit I had to buy. Hey, Amazon, get your fucking shit together. You have tons of free shit. I'm already spending my money on your ass. Help me out a little bit, huh? 
This is why you're probably number fucking four on my list too. God damn, it feels good to bitch about this shit. I mean, you did buy <laughs> you did buy Frankenhooker, right? So I mean, they got something uh, out of you for that. The movie one through seven. Uh, the movie or ah? Uh? <laughs> where can oh, I, where can I buy Fern Gully? That's all I want to know, Ray Cash. Amazon oh, Prime. Get it on Amazon Prime. I'm gonna send it to you, baby. You ain't gotta buy it. I got you. I want to see Frankenhooker. Dave, to go back to your to one of your points though, so many people have Amazon Prime but don't use Prime Video because most people have Amazon Prime for the shopping side of things. Amen. And Prime Video Wait, comes I, with with Prime with a Prime account. And isn't so, that kind of genius though? Oh, it's absolutely genius. It's diabolical. There's a reason that Jeffrey Bezos is the most evil genius, wealthy Lex Luthor person on the planet. Like he created. He created a mountain of cash on a daily I'm gonna, basis. I'm going to need him to bulk up a little bit if he wants to play Lex Luthor. Yeah, that's ag- true. Agreed, Tony. Yeah. He needs to well, be more like a- Elon Musk or something. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, Ray, your thoughts on this merger uh, or this purchase? It's not even a merger. It's a purchase. First off, I find it interesting the way you guys list your favorites because I would list them that way, too. But just in terms of subscribers, HBO Max and Disney Plus are nowhere close. Netflix is over 20 million right. and Amazon Prime is over 145 million. So like but it's but, but it's yes, not in terms of interest. Prime yes. for. Sure. Am- sure, sure. Yeah, Amazon number is skewed. Netflix number is not, but the longevity of Netflix is ridiculous. I agree with you 100%. I'm with you. I'm just saying that when you look at it from an analytical point of view, whether people are watching or not, they're still paying. True. Um now the merger is going to go through, no, no doubt, because Disney, which is the closest thing we've ever had in our lifetime to a, a true monopoly, is they just got Fox a couple years ago. That yeah, would have that's been. That's what I was antitrust. trying to think of. I couldn't remember yeah. who else Disney had other than their own studio. Yeah, that's antitrust, literally in the definition, and they got through with that. Um, I think it's genius by Amazon. I think it is a bit of a blow, like you said, to the other, um, to the other. Streaming services, but I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. You're only supposed to look out for you and yours. And when you have the capital that Amazon has, that was like, what, maybe like 2% of their revenue for the year. And they blew it on the most storied studio franchise ever. No, Ray, it was 2% of their revenue for Wednesday. There you go. You're right. You're right. My bad. You're right. The interesting thing to me is, and you touched on it. This feels like it's going to be a war between between existing kind of um, themed content. I mean, themed by the actual studio or new shit, because this is going to be a this is going to be the litmus test to see who got it right. Because if everybody's racing to get all the old stuff because people love rewatching old things, will that kill what Netflix is doing by having? three new fucking series and movies every week or and will they kill Amazon's because Amazon reduces a shitload of new series and new movies on a regular basis. It's just nobody watches them because it's Amazon. So I'm curious to see how that plays with the newer movies coming out. How does that do, especially with us going back to a regular society and movie theaters opening back up? Or does this lead to a bigger question and a, and a more long-term question that we should be asking ourselves? All these streaming services are collectors now, right? Yeah. We're all trying to collect things to get you to come watch our collection. Who's going to be the first two major collectors to join forces? Because that's going to happen at some point. 
Right. We're going to, yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they, I, I think it'll happen at some point. I think one of these smaller ones, if I, if I were to put my tabs on anything, it would be like a Paramount or a Peacock is going to have to, to merge with, with somebody. I don't know that it'd be Peacock, Patrick, because Universal is bigger than Viacom and those other things. They just don't have the actual, as a company wise, NBC Universal may be the biggest of the, well, not bigger than this, but you know, right? NBC, but it's a subsidiary of that company, like, and depending on sure. how it goes, like that'll, like, it, it depends on how it goes. And here's the thing: is I will say this right now, Peacock's got to figure some shit out because it has a horrible interface. It has a hor- right. it's terrible. It is not right. good right now. And if something is clunky to use, people aren't going to use it. Like, I don't yeah. care what your content is. If you can't, if you can't navigate it, it's it's pointless to even try. And you want to talk about who's got that right it's it's two two streaming services right now in my opinion it's netflix netflix has got it down and disney plus has got it down both of them are pretty good at whatever algorithm they're using to one put you in the right point you in the right direction or two help you navigate through like i love disney plus's little hubs at the top like you, if yeah. you want star wars there is a star wars hub there's a marvel hub all the way across the way. Netflix, on the other hand, Netflix, you can do your basic searches by genres like you've always been able to do with the video store and their algorithm, silly though it can be at times with its you know modern romantic comedies involving zombies in Pakistan category that'll show up for you. <laughs> like they they can get very specific and data driven in the way that and in, in the way that they use it. And there's a reason that they use it. It's obviously successful. I am willing to bet money that when Tunny opens up Netflix, he gets a plethora of cooking show options right there in front of him from all over the place. Every time I open mine, I get a variety of comic book characters and uh, anime. Like those are the first two sort of categories that pop up for me every time. Whereas Disney, Disney doesn't really do that. They have like movies that might interest you that that sort of follows along like that. It's a little less specific than Netflix. Tony is about to show us his his screen, I think, in a second of what he opens up to. I think he should. Frankenhooker 14. No, his screensaver is Julia Childs. You know that damn thing for sure. (laughs) Julia Childs, nice. (laughs) Is that Julia Childs channeling Mrs. Doubtfire? Is that what I just heard there? Yes, I realized it was. Okay, and on that note, the ever-evolving stream megalopolies, whatever you want to call them, mega-monopolies, will continue. We will continue to cover what that all means, how we feel about it. I'm sure that you know next week, Tony will still have some pretty strong feelings about uh, Amazon Prime, and we'll be okay with it. Prime Video, fuck you, Prime Video. Love PC Tony or Pizza Funny. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we will jump into here project week five, week four, four, week four with our Marvel, our top 10 Marvel superheroes drink. Everybody, Patrick O'Dowd didn't even get the order wrong. He got the, got the week wrong. Jesus. Uh, but we're going to jump right into it. We'll, we'll do our top. We'll, we'll start with our, uh, our top 10, uh, superheroes, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, when we come back, you're listening to the Chairshot Radio Network, or you're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. 
Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, we are back, and of course, Patrick O'Dowd's off to a great start today. I'm going to talk about myself in the third person. I am just confusing everyone left and right. I said the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, of course, mean our top ten heroes from Marvel Comics. Ray, can you just run down why you're angry at my list? <laughs> How much like, time get, do we have? haven't even got to your list yet. You've got, you've got a minute, sir. Give me, give me shit about my list for a minute before we go into it. Well, angry is a bit of a stretch. I just find I it interesting. Felt some rage. I, I, I felt yeah. some rage. We just fundamentally disagree on how we make our list, which is the fun of this of this project. Mm-hmm. You make your list again, which is the right thing to do. I I would surmise, based on your interest. I make my list based on what I think is unanimously given all things in, in, in order of importance. So there are people missing on your list correlated with last week or two weeks ago, rather, that are interesting to me. And there are people on your list that are some of the coolest comic book characters you'll ever see, but ultimately aren't important in any grand scheme of things, but they're on your list. And again, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say I'm angry, but I am a little perplexed. But that is the, that is the joy of this our explanations. Oh, uh, and I will remind everybody once again that one, we are not an exhaustive end-all be-all list. Part of what I find to be the fun of this is that they are our lists, and it is my job to defend why I don't have T'Challa. I'll say it again: I don't have T'Challa on my list. Sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Actually, I'm just <laughs> lay it all out there. Like, I feel bad, but I don't feel particularly bad because I, I the lists are subjective. Like, that's the great thing about any top ten is lists are subjective. And I think that sure, there's some consensus. Like, if you want to talk about power breaker, power brokers, power players within the Marvel comic universe, yeah, some of the name, like a lot of the names that I have on here, might not be what you consider those power brokers. But to me, it's also about who these characters are as heroes and what it is that they're, you know, their, their stories are as interesting to me as, as their impact in a greater context. And so that's part of 
the way and, and you're right to me it's all about connections characters i connect to and invest yeah. in and, and really like and i like for the most part i love street level heroes way more than i love big time universe altering heroes like that like and that's in my i think my list reflects it like if you were to look at my list there are three that i would consider kind of the big time big time in terms of like universe altering heroes three actually i'd even go i'd go smaller than that two i'd say there's two maybe three because because my number 10 might be in in some way but i'd go more i'd go five but i see why you do i see your point but i I see your point is is i understand because one of them for sure is a street level hero who just happens to be the most, you know, what I'm talking about talking about the most popular hero in the in, you know, yeah, just in terms of sales and whatnot. Sure, um, but like, yeah, and so that that's always been my approach to this. Is for me, there's got to be a connection to those characters in some way, shape, or form. And like, I I like Black Panther. I just want to make that very clear. Black Panther fans out there, I like Black Panther. Um, but I don't connect to him the way that I do with a lot of a lot of these other characters. And so while I'm fine with him being on other people's lists, why I'm fine with him being number one on people's lists and think that that's great. To me, I don't have that connection with that character. Uh, and so I can respect that character, you know, respect. But it's just it's not it's not on my list. And and as we say, it's my list. Tony, Dave, what were your approaches to putting this one together? mine's kind of a hybrid of you and Ray. They're, they're the characters that resonate with me personally, but they're also ones that I looked at objectively as saying, you know, what are, what are some of the more well-renowned characters? There is some recency bias I noticed in my list. And, and I think my list was actually somewhat actually influenced by the Marvel strike force game, because now I'm actually a fairly high ranking player on that. And I'm an Alliance leader and that sort of thing. And I look at some of the characters who are in that game, who resonate with me and are the better characters because not all characters in that. That's what's great about the game is it's not just cookie cutter. They really capture the powers of the characters and team synergy is really important. So I think that had a little bit to do with it. Um, but that's and And one other thing I want to say is that I went back and listened to our one year anniversary show, which was the end of the villain project, which happened to be the Marvel villains. And I picked up a lot of stuff from that episode that kind of transferred over to the hero project, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, your list is interesting, Pat. There's at least one character on there. I really don't know shit about that. I'm curious to see how he ended up on your list and why. And I want to learn something about that. So we'll see about that. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mix for me of characters that I personally resonate with, but at the same time I look and say, okay, well, objectively speaking what's big out there what are some of the more popular characters do i connect with those characters on any level and that's kind of where my list came from when i started approaching this the first thing i did is i thought back to when i was growing up in the 80s and thought about like what which of these characters did i actually think were bigger than life back then first of all and then i moved on another decade And it kind of got rid of the recency bias that way, but without disregarding it, because it is continuing the legacy of these different characters in such a spectacular way that we've seen, you know, on the big screen for the last, you know, dozen, uh, dozen and a half uh, years. So 
that's just kind of how I approached it with a little more bias towards when I was growing up and who kind of had a bigger impact on me before this whole cinematic universe of everybody blew up. Excellent. Well, we'll get right to it. We're going to do our six, our 10 through six, like we, we've been doing before our second commercial break. This week's order will be Ray, Dave, Patrick with Tony finishing up. Ray gets to go first. I just moved to the rotation, man. Like it's like, I didn't, I, I go, pressure Ray pressure you baby go anything, kick this man. off like, baby go on you do get to you do get to kick the project off with your number 10 man you actually you kicked like off the villain project too the Marvel villain project well I, I'd just like to say first and foremost I'd like to thank the Academy I'd like to thank Stan Lee for his contributions to okay I'm <laughs> You're not booing Stan Lee are you They're not booing Hill. Stan, they're booing Ray. Hill's going to heal, sir. Uh, I want to say that three people, one of them is on your list, Patrick, and I'll tell you when to get there. That absolutely killed me to not put on this list. But I try my best to be as objective as possible. This dude, my number 10, was not on my list originally, but I just felt terrible about leaving him off, and that is Thor. He's higher on my and list, I'm, Ray. Yeah, okay. All right, Dave, let's let's hear your number 10 that might be higher on somebody's list. Well, kind of yes and no, because number 10 for me is the only group that I have on the list because I didn't want to separate them. Um, and you've got one of the members higher. It's a fantastic four. So, OK, yeah, yeah, I got one of them higher. higher. Too. So that goes to me uh, and my number 10, which was uh, Jean Grey slash the Phoenix slash Marvel Girl. Can I can I notice can I notice something, Pat, before you discuss this? Yeah. It's interesting to me. Did you know that she was on your villain list too? Yeah, she was. <laughs> but she's a she's a fascinating character because Dark Phoenix nearly destroyed the universe. Yes, <laughs> like absolutely. Like, like Dark Dark Phoenix nearly destroyed everything. And it's the Phoenix Force itself that's really the villain there. And it's it's a in my opinion, a sympathetic villain because it's something that, you know, it's a it's an entity that never experienced human emotion. And didn't want to give that up and became corrupted. And, and it's a very interesting. And Gene, it's so it's so funny because if you go read X-Men comics before Claremont took over, right? I think it was Claremont that started the the Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Force bit of it. Gene's kind of boring, right? Like she's kind of the she's, you know, she's in the relationship with Cyclops. She's always in like there is a level of just fascinating sexism in comic books where like female superheroes often would have powers, but would be in peril and have to be like bailed out and saved all the time. And Jean Grey definitely fit within that mold. But when Claremont took over as that character and made her someone who was really wrestling with her own sort of identity of self and her own self-worth, and then eventually is the one who saves the X-Men from certain death in, in space and becomes, you know, possessed by the Phoenix force and becomes one with the Phoenix force and then carries that level of responsibility and becomes an Omega level mutant with both her, her telekinetic tele telepathic powers and the Phoenix force. She is, she's a force to be reckoned with. She brings about, you know, the um, saving of Lalandra and the Shi'ar empire, before things then take a dark turn, she dies in the trial of the Phoenix in a, in a very, what I think is 
wonderful story that got horribly corrupted by the third X-Men movie uh, where the wrong person killed her. But like, that's neither here nor there. Um, and Dave's all mad. <laughs> like He's like rolling his eyes and, and waving it off. But yeah, so she was my number 10 because she, uh, and she's come back and died and come back and died like so many other uh, comic book characters before her. Um, but she, she's up there and is amongst ones that, that holds her own. And so she was my number 10. No, it's a good choice, man. A great choice. Very good choice. Phoenix yeah. is, um, like you say, she's a, she's a multi layered, multifaceted character. That's not always good. And when she went bad, she went very bad. So, oh, yeah. I, I, and, 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 and her story is a fascinating one. And, and I think like we mentioned on the villain project, it is in my opinion, one of the top five greatest graphic novels of all time across all of it. Marvel, DC, the dark Phoenix yeah. saga is, is, and that's why they, we said it on the villain project. This is why they keep trying to retell this story because it's so good. So damn good. But you guys keep trying to retell the story and not retell the story as it's written and try to take your own take on it. And it always fails. So yeah, it's it's a great choice, and, and she resonates so um, has such a big shadow in the in the Marvel comics. You know, the whole Scott Summers, Madeline Pryor, and 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 all that sort of thing. It, it's 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 a magnificent story. So yeah, she's a complex character. Um, no character on any of our list probably evolved more than Jean Grey yeah. did over the years. You know, it's interesting to me. Jean, I think, is the only character in history who was hurt by her movies. Oh yeah. Totally. That's and that's crazy to think of all the comic book movies in history, all of them in some way or form or fashion were built bigger and better and she was hurt. So, yeah. But but she yeah, very absolutely. well deserved this list. Excellent. Well, thank you for for that stamp. Let's move on to Tony. Tony, you're number 10, sir. My number 10 is actually probably one of my favorite superheroes ever. And it's ironic considering the discussion we just had on Top Gun. Uh, it's Bobby Drake. It's Iceman. And I just love like watching the cartoons of Iceman when I was a kid growing up. And the fact that he could do and move wherever he wanted and had so much control. Like the youngest, I think the youngest original member of the X-Men, right? Um, yeah, with, yeah. A, with a little help, with a little help from Emma Frost to go, you know, got control of his powers and everything. And he's a teacher, so he's passing it on. But I just always enjoyed any time the, the, the cartoons came on and, and he was a part of it with whatever group he was helping out at the time. Just the great things that he could do. I, just a very intriguing I, character to me. I remember Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which was... Which <laughs> Firestar. Is, which, it was Spider-Man, Firestar, and Bobby Drake. And I always thought it was funny because his ice power came with like a special sound effect. Like when he used it. No, 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 no. It was like this. I I gotta see if I can find it. Um go back and watch on Disney Plus because they have them on they have the old episodes on Disney Plus, but go listen to one of them. And they had a different sort of sound effect other than just like it was like chimes or something that went off. It was really interesting. Uh, and I was like, that that's what that's the sound that ice makes. Uh also, I loved his evolution and his look because when he was yeah. originally conceived by Stan Lee, he looked like a snowman, like yep. a walking snowman before he he became kind of the cool looking solid nice character that we know and see today. Isn't he, Pat, correct he, me if I'm wrong, isn't he another Omega level mutant? There's not many of them, but I think Iceman yes, is. Yes, he is. Definitely. He was in the, the original so. X-Men. He was the only one. Yep. 
Good call, Tony. Right. I don't know what it has to do with Top Gun, but anyway, go ahead. Iceman. Oh, Iceman. There you go. Thank you. Now it makes Gosh. sense. All right, Tony, you're number nine. I think it's higher up on Dave's list. The guy wields a hammer. Oh, he is higher on my list, yeah. All right, my number nine is one of my first of the multiple street-level heroes who I always love because he's a street-level hero who grew to be a much bigger player in the Marvel comic universe, and that's Luke Cage. Luke Cage, um, created out of the era of black exploitation. Um, is it higher on your list, or are you just doing a? I'm, fist? I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my black power fist, sir. Oh, okay. I was, I was like, Come was through, my brother. Like, just, um, <laughs> but it was really interesting because there's, there's a fascinating um, series of like papers and articles and videos about white dudes trying to write in the seventies, like, like black people. Um, and what and, and Luke Cage is definitely one of those like characters. Like people were like, "Who the hell says Sweet Christmas?" Nobody. Luke Cage says Sweet Christmas, and it's this it's this character clearly like boring white dude who's like, "I wonder what black people sound right sound like." So he created Luke Cage. But something really great happened in the late nineties, early two thousands with his character, when he suddenly found himself as a leader of the new Avengers, uh, he was in, um, who did he marry? Um, Jessica drew Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Yeah. Okay. Um, Parents and, Danielle cage, the, the right. Yeah. Captain as, America. A, as a baby, yeah. as a future captain America, but he, he was so great because he he totally reminds me a little bit of, you know, we talked about Falcon the Winter Soldier. When he takes over as leader of the Avengers, he's like, I don't think I should be the leader of the Avengers. Like, how the hell am I? Like, I'm just supposed to be worried about Harlem. Like, that's my job. And, like, he was one of those guys who, like, you know, was trying to keep the streets safe from organized crime. And of all the series that fell victim to the Netflix acts out of the Marvel ones, Luke Cage ended in the most exciting place, in my opinion, because he has taken over the underworld at the end of the second season. I'm like, that's what, that's how this ends. Like it was so great. He is standing right there. And and you're just like, Oh, this is going to be so good. And we're never going to see it play out. Motherfuckers. Uh, It's a great call. I mean, and, and I love your mentioning the new Avengers because in the wake of disassembled and house of M and everything right. that had gone on to reboot the Avengers and, and put Luke cage front and center as the leader uh, was a ballsy move, but it really paid off because new Avengers is one of the all time great reboots in Marvel history. So yeah, he's, he's a fantastic character who really, another one of your picks, Pat, who really evolved over the years and started out as one as one aspect and then kind of evolved into something completely different. So I love, I love the pick. I, I got to thank heroes for hire because yep. if they didn't make that because both Luke Cage and Iron Fist were languishing in comic cells and they said, fuck it, let's put them together. And then they just set off something brand new that just exploded almost without it that should have worked. They totally did though. Right. Yeah. Like you kind of look at it, you're like, this doesn't make sense. But like people read it, we're like, this is great. It, but it, it goes back to that um, uh, I couple that um, Felix and Oscar type thing where you got this six foot six, like grumpy black dude. And you have like this super Zen kind of bro white guy. 
And it just worked, like you said. Matt yeah, Riddle is Iron Fist. He's basic. Matt Riddle is basically Iron Fist. Just no, I would imagine Iron Fist in twenty twenty one would be high all the time too. Probably. So yeah, yeah. fair point. Yeah, good, good, um, good comparison, Ray. Yeah, but it, you took the words out of my mouth, Patrick, for no other reason. He deserves to be on this list because there are a handful of people who have been the unequivocal leader of the Avengers. He's on that list. Yep. Before we move on, here is your Iceman from the Spider-Man and Friends, the ice-making sound. Are you ready? It's, it's kind of in the middle here. There it was. <laughs> wow. You're welcome. Jesus. How, did they make the, how does that sound like the ice? But I bought it every time. <laughs> I know, right? Dave. It's a crystallization, apparently. Apparently. Ooh. Dave, you're number nine, man. Uh, so my number nine is one of these ones that it was, I think, influenced a little bit by recency bias, but it's Deadpool. Um, higher on higher on tunnels. Okay, tunnels list. there you All go. Right. Well, Mr. Ray Cash, you're number nine. Number nine is Carol Danvers, uh, the Captain. Where's the Captain? Okay. So then you're my number eight, eight, I think we're locking step, Patrick, is uh, James Logan Howlett, a.k.a. Wolverine. Uh, he's higher on my list. Higher okay. on mine. Higher on everybody's list. Dave, you're number eight. My, speed on through the bottom six, yeah, we're just going, speeding through uh, this. My number eight is the man without fear, Daredevil. Oh, we've reached an impasse. He, that he is just, one of the three. He, yeah. He just missed my list. I'm going to tell you, when I first started this list, he was my number one. Wow. And now yeah. he's not even on your list at all. Wow, Ray. How, Man, how far, yeah. How far, how far Matt Murdock is falling. Wow. I, I mean, I love, I love Daredevil because he is such a unique character in that he doesn't have, you know, su- well... I can't say that he does have superpowers because he's got super senses because he's lost his, his, uh, his sight and everything else is amplified. But yeah, I mean, I, there are not many blind superheroes in comics and daredevil's the most well-recognized, well-known, most well-respected of all of them. I mean, a blind superhero who can stand up to a villain like the Kingpin and who just basically, takes over what is it? hell's kitchen is, is his domain. And that's where he makes, right. that's where he stands up for everything. He's got, I mean, his battles with Kingpin are the stuff of legend. And I know we talked about it with the villain project, the whole, um, that whole, um, daredevil. What is it? Uh, born again. I think that line that they did where he gets his identity gets, uh, outed to the Kingpin and everything that he goes through with that damn near dying. And, and then coming back to uh, what is oh that's Luke Cage, and, and I I just I love the Daredevil character. I love some of the stories that have been in there. He's been a mentor and antagonist to people like Spider Man. He they've tried to get him in. I think at few places he's been a member of the New Avengers, um, here and there, reluctantly so. He's always kind of like like kind of like Deadpool, always kind of like that rogue character who operates on his own rules and is just kind of out there on the street level maintaining justice trying to keep a villain like the kingpin away from just overrunning everything so yeah i i think i love i love the daredevil stories some of the best artwork i've seen in marvel comics are in the daredevil stories um, fascinating character to me and yeah matt murdoch the lawyer the blind lawyer and 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 everything that goes on with the you know the whole thing with um with you know the relationship between matt and foggy and 
throw in the stuff with Electra, which is a fascinating story as well. So yeah, Daredevil is number eight for me. Thing that I love about Matt Murdock is you know you talk about his battles against Kingpin. It's not just physical fighting; it's his battles in the courtroom too, and and that's always been a huge element of Matt Murdock is is the is his job, is his role as an attorney, and how that also comes into play in his war with Kingpin's underworld in Hell's Kitchen. So, good choice. I, I sent you guys a picture in the chat. For those of you listening at home, I apologize. And maybe I'll put it on my Twitter. But it is a interview with Luke Cage asking him if Daredevil should be a member of the Avengers. And it's one of the most beautifully written, most emotional panels you'll ever read. And so you guys, please, if you get a chance, read that. And it's just take a second. I don't want to read it on air because it's going to take too long. And I know we, we're on a time crunch. But it's beautiful. And as far as Daredevil, the character... I know this is a comic list, so if this was a movie list or TV list, I don't think we'd we'd even think about him. But Daredevil has some of the greatest written literature of a comic book ever. Story story arcs, um, the things he's gone through, the uh, the dichotomy between him and his and his villains. Yeah, man, I, I'm really disappointed in myself that he slipped off my list. Well, like you talk, I mean, like the stuff with him and Bullseye and Electra. That's that's really great storytelling. Shakespeare, dog. It, Shakespeare. It, it actually is. I, I mean, I, I I always liked Matt's relationship with Electra and and how deep that can go. But yeah, I forgot about the stuff with Bullseye until you started talking about that, and that's that's some really deep shit there. So yeah, good call, Ray. So we're on to my number eight. Uh, which is one that I know is a surprise to everybody and not on anybody else's list. And I'll, I'll explain it. So I've talked, was that? No, never mind. Sorry. I thought it was Axel Asher. No, it is not Axel Asher. Stop it. It's the character blank. Um, most folks know this, this character from the age of apocalypse storyline arcs. Cause that's really where she gained a little bit of popularity. But for me, um, I was introduced, really introduced to the character blank, not one eighty two. Um, fucking funny, pizza funny, trying to be funny. Uh, I got a fucking Tony out of you. That's the successful what, what, day. Memorial every day. What's your age again, Tony? Come on, man. <laughs> Daddy, Dave, I love you. I'm gonna mute every motherfucking Dave, one of you in a Dave, second. You you get all the small things. It's excellent. I have all the small things, but anyway, go ahead, Patrick. Damn it. No, nobody got. Okay, mm. I'll shut up. I'll we shut don't up. Like them. Are we? Are we good? Maybe we'll see. Let's go back to the rock show. Go ahead, Patrick. <laughs> so blank as a character. I really got my introduction from uh, to this character through Judd Winnick's comic. It's a it's an X Men offshoot called Exiles, and I've talked about this comic many many times on uh, on this podcast, and it's one that's near and dear to my heart. And it is a uh, storyline that's basically a combination of Quantum Leap and um, oh shoot, I'm going to forget the oh and Sliders. Uh, the old TV show Sliders. And what it is is that there are, there is this entity known as the Time Broker. who And we're going to talk about messed up timelines coming up soon with the Loki show. It's very similar to that in that the Time Broker is trying to repair fractured 
timelines throughout the multiverse. And what he does is he plucks various characters, X-Men, um, and it ends up being eventually like expanded Marvel comic book characters uh, into forming a team to help repair these timelines. The catch is, is that every one of these characters, the reason that they're plucked is because their timeline was messed up in such a way that their lives were ended in some way, shape or form that was, was not the way it was supposed to be. And so, and in Blink's case, she ceases to exist and she becomes the de facto leader of this time traveling team that is going through and literally repairing the Marvel multiverse. Um, in, in different ways. In some of the, the alternate realities that they encounter, the my the first episode or the first issue arc is a what if Professor Charles Xavier was Magneto in terms of his political beliefs in regards to mutants and Magneto was Professor Charles Xavier. And Xavier is kept in prison and I, I still remember it because um it's clear as day and I own all the comics, but like this team gets put on this alternate reality and they learn that there is a great mutant leader who's been imprisoned that needs to be freed so that mutants can, can continue to fight the good fight and not be made to be extinct. And they think it's Xavier. So they free Xavier. And the first thing he does is drop a mind blast that wipes out an entire city, kills everybody. And blink is the one is like one of the ones who like kind of goes along with her. was like, Oh, we should, we should follow this. And it's learned later that it was Magneto that they really had to, to free. And she's just, she's always the one who's got the greatest burden amongst the group. And she's the one who's kind of keeping them going and is helping protect the multiverse, uh, in this, in this nifty little, for about a 50 some issue story arc, of of comics written by Judd Winnick and and the series itself goes on into a into about a hundred issues, but it kind of falls off the rails um, at a point. Uh, it, it switches writers, kind of underwent through what I would call developmental hell, and hurt it. But Plank is a character; she was just always like, and her ability wasn't anything fancy. She was a teleporter, like she was a teleporter. She throws these like crystals that create portals, and she can teleport around. So she's like Nightcrawler without the bamf. But as a leader and as the one kind of unifying, keeping the team together and fixing these timelines, she, you know, she's the weight of the universe on her shoulder with this team and the rest of this team. And, and she carries it. So I've loved her. I love the way Winnick wrote her. And that's why she makes my list, because it's the it's the same reason why I love my number one. It's the burden of responsibility and the feeling of responsibility um, that she carries in, in, with this team. Well, now I know. She was the one I was like wondering about. Anybody got that GI Joe? Now you know thing. So, I mean, I do. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. GI Joe. Thank you. Defense and rest, your honor. If you if you are into current Marvel comics, you know the X Men are in a big story where they've all moved to Krakoa. She's a big part of that as well. She she is a very dope character. I have no qualms with with the character. I was just taking her back but yeah she's dope she's dope as hell and, and for me it's really read the exiles read, like get your hands on a couple of the trade paperbacks for the first especially like the first 20 issues or so because she really is given the like she shines and and really like that's that's where 
my selection of her on my list is from is from that comic. So, Tony, let's get to your number eight. Does anybody have the son of Howard and Maria higher on their list? All right. Yes, my indeed. number seven, then. Does anybody else have Carol Danvers higher on their list? All right, then. My number seven is Ms. Marvel turns herself into Captain Marvel, which is really cool considering what we just watched in Passing of the Torch. Um, what you, you, Their origin story is, is her encounter with um, what's the... Who was the original Captain Marvel? Yeah, the, he's, yeah, he's a Cree, the Cree, right? Her involved yeah. in that story, and she gets exposed to the radiation, and I mean, just becomes one of the most powerful Avengers. The fact that you know she's got the history and with the Air Force, and and becomes one of the first leaders in space and everything else is just amazing. It's just a great story, um, and it's been played out really well in the MCU as well uh, from the comics. So that's that's my number seven, Carol Danvers, Ms. Marvel, who took over the mantle of captain marvel for herself let's not also forget that the entire reason rogue as a character that we know her is who she is is because of carol danvers because she tried she tried to take her down and ended up absorbing her life force which is why rogue has the ability to fly and super strength let's also not forget that carol danvers is so op'd comic fans you know what that means that uh all of her battles in her com in the comics are intergalactic because can't nobody fuck with her on earth. Let's also not forget that they redid civil war based around her because once again, she is so OP. Carol Danvers is one of the most important characters in Marvel comics history. Just if you go from the very beginning to now leader of the ultimates, so much involved with her. Yeah. She's great pick. I picked her number nine. So shout out to Carol. She didn't make my, not very likable though. Not very likely. No, she's kind of a bitch. Um, she she didn't make my list, and that's one of the reasons she's too much of a bitch for me. But like you talk about, you talk about people Earthbound heroes not standing up so well to her. Uh, Ray, you mentioned Civil War Two, what she did to Iron Man, what she did to Tony Stark, uh, is disturbing stuff. I mean, she beat his ass into a coma, right? And and I mean, she's one of the one of the few people who could stand toe to toe with Thanos. And in fact, by the way, for the record, for those of you wondering why Riri Williams AI was Tony Stark, it's because because Carol beat his ass to the fact that people thought he was dead. Yeah. I mean, she's massively super powered. And I mean, I, I mean, she like in Secret Empire, I mean, one of one of Steve Rogers biggest goals in Secret Empire was to isolate Carol and get her out of the fucking way, which is where they yep. come up with that inner that Earth shield. That she can't even Which she was, can't break through until the very end. Clever, by the way. It, it, I love I love how it got broken. By the way, it was the fucking kids, right? That, you know exactly. But she's that that tells you how overpowered or in how massively powerful she is. Is that evil Steve Rogers knew this is the bitch I have to neutralize or this never works, and he did. So I yeah, it's a great call. She didn't make my list just because she's too much of an asshole. <laughs> so that's that's kind of why I left her off. Excellent. So where where are we? I'm sorry. Your seven, I think, Pat. My number seven. My number seven, I'm going to assume, is higher on people's list because it is uh, Logan slash Wolverine. So we will move on to Tony's number seven. Or is it Dave's number seven? Drink. Where are we going? Drink. 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 Yeah, it's my number seven. Uh, My number seven may or may not be higher on somebody's list, but it's T'Challa, Black Panther. Higher on Ray's. Well, my number seven. Sir? 
the aforementioned Ray? Yes, sir. Um, my number seven is known by a few names. Most recently, he is the current MCU-wise Captain America. My number seven is Sam Wilson. Okay. Proceed. First and foremost, if you are if you have earned and if you are given the moniker uh, Captain America by the most probably esteemed hero in Marvel history, that shows you the level of importance that you are. But let's not let's not overlook the things he did as the Falcon. Let's not overlook that he is one of the biggest and most prominent black superheroes in the business. Let's not overlook the fact that a lot of people see him as just military guy number six. But in fact, he is an extremely talented scientist and um, very versed with technology. Um, the dude is a linchpin in multiple eras of Marvel Comics for being a leader and kind of a one of the main focuses of multiple eras, if you will. Um, I think of the new... The new, uh, we just talked about the new Civil War, Secret Empire, rather, went with evil Steve Rogers. And it took, um, Sam had given up, basically. He had given up the mantle because we, if you've read the comics, you know the history of him and the shield. And they had to go find him in the desert to fix everything. It was him that fixed everything. So just the importance of who he is as a character, the importance of what he's meant to Marvel, and the fact that much like you mentioned, Patrick, and I'm exactly with you. He is not a powered individual. He is not powered. He does not have, yeah, he got some tech. Sure. He got some tech, but he doesn't have tech like, like Iron Man does, right? He does. He doesn't have the super soldier serum flowing to his veins. Ultimately, he's a dude out there. Just like you said in, in the MCU, he's just doing what he thinks is right. And to fight the people he's fought and to win the battles he's won, yeah, man, Sam Wilson is a fantastic character. He's my number, was it seven? Yeah, yeah he's drink. your number seven. Drink, you drink, Ray. Um, I remember like during the villain project, we talked about Falcon and, and how, if you recall, he was given his abilities by Red Skull and designed to be Captain America's bitterest enemy turned into his best friend. So I love the call, Ray. I mean, Falcon's, uh, and then when he, he does become Captain America, um, another one of these characters who over the years really evolved into something much bigger than what he started off as. And like your point, like secret empire is like, yeah, he's a broken man because his best friend has annihilated so many of the people he loved and cared about. And it, oh, man. his, that panel, that panel where Misty basically cusses his ass out. And then you see him back, put the, the suit back on for the yeah. first time. It's, it's massively Boy. powerful. And, and I mean, and, and it's such a great story because it does force, so many people to confront the unthinkable, which is Steve Rogers betraying everybody. Um, so yeah, I, and, and yeah, his road back to redemption and to taking everything back under control with a big assist from the real Steve Rogers is some of the best stuff in that, in that run. Excellent. So that'll bring us to your number six. Then Mr. Ray, my number six is a member of the fantastic four. Should I just ignore it until we get higher? Uh, I think Patrick has the highest fantastic. Yeah, I got, I got a member of the fantastic four. I have three. a member at six as well. Should we save it? Well, I have Sue storm. And then we all have different ones far away. I did say, right. I think we do. Well, Dave's got, Dave's got the whole team. Cause he couldn't, he couldn't get rid of one and you know, rules aren't for Dave. So, uh, <laughs> this, uh, 
This isn't Nam. There are rules, Dave. Okay. <laughs> We're comparing bandwagon nerds to Vietnam now. That's just disturbing. We've taken a very disturbing turn. <laughs> do you not turn. remember The Big Lebowski, sir? Yes, did I you, do. do I remember that. that movie, for I, God's sake. This is what happens when you let a stranger so never mind. Patrick, how would you like to do this? How would you like to discuss the Fantastic Four? Just well, wait. we already skipped Dave's team, so we might as well save it. To, we'll just do the Fantastic Four as a whole on the top half. How's that? Yes. Well, we so, have all three uh, different characters. Yeah. Well, Dave has the entire team. See, there okay, we got all four of them fair. covered. So, sort of. There you go. So we'll we'll just hit all four of them after the commercial break. So, Dave, where do your number six? My number six is uh, Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. Higher on Tony. You see, Tony is my take- number six, which yeah. if Ray. If Ray held true to what he said, is higher on his list, and that is Clint Barton slash Hawkeye. Okay. Higher on Ray's wow. list, which brings us to Tony, your number six, sir, before a commercial it's break. A, it's a fantastic four member. Let's take that break, brother. All right. So we're going to take a quick commercial break before I head off to the recorded business. This is my time to remind you all to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and buy a shirt. We've got all kinds of great shirts out there for you, whether it's the original chair shot logo, whether it's the shirt for this esteemed podcast bandwagon nerds, or even some of our great sayings out there, such as hashtag journalism, um, you know, everybody hates Greg. They're all there for you. We love giving people quality content every day, and we are dropping quality content every day. You are getting three to four podcasts a day from us, and we want to keep you doing that for you all. And the best way to help us continue to give that to you is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and get a shirt. They run at $19.99 for your standard T-shirt, or if you're feeling fancy, Spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Either way, we greatly appreciate everything that you do for us, um, and your financial support helps us keep going. So one more time, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and buy a shirt. When we come back, we will give you our top five heroes of the Marvel comic book universe. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, quick commercial break this time around. So... I just couldn't. I couldn't wait to get back into our top five, especially since I know we got a lot of repeats. So was, <laughs> let's get into the lion's share of the of the top ten heroes of, of the Marvel comic universe with uh, Mister Tony's number five. What do you got for us, man? Microphone is up, away from your face. I believe that my number five is higher on someone else's list. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. I shall drink. <laughs> Shout out to whiskey makers of America. My number five is Mr. Rogers, so I believe that's higher on somebody else's list. So it is higher on a couple of lists, I do believe. Fire uh, away, Mr. My number five, because it's Sorry, I'll drink again. Down, yeah, I'll drink uh, again. Is another member of the X-Men, and that's Remy LeBeau slash Gambit. Uh and I feel like I need to start with Tony talked about 
picking his list and, and some of the characters that he saw from cartoons and animated series. Another thing I have long talked about on this show is the X-Men animated series from the 90s. And I fell in love with Gambit in the X-Men, the animated series. And, and to the point where I became obsessed with reading anything I could find about this guy in the comics. And, you know, I, and it's funny cause I almost, I almost cheated and made a duo and added rogue because their relationship and the way that those two interact throughout the mythos of the, of the X-Men comics is just hugely significant to, to the characters. But he starts out as a petty thief, a member of the you know a thieves guild in Louisiana. He has he has the power. He's not he has the power. He has kinetic. He has the power of charging things with kinetic energy and causing them to explode. Most notably, he uses playing cards to throw his projectiles. Though he's also used things like daggers, and he has a quarterstaff that is indestructible that he can also charge and use as a weapon as well. He is another one of those, you know, he's kind of an anti-hero a little bit at first. Like he kind of rebels, not necessarily wanting to be a big member of the team. And again, I'm going to go back to a comic I talked about before. He was a leader of the Exiles for a while, uh, and was. A, the the other thing that was neat about the Exiles is there was actually a second team that was kind of like a darker team, and Gambit was the leader of kind of the Dark Exiles, and his role as as kind of the point man was was just hugely significant. He's just cool as hell. He looks cool with his trench coat. I don't even know what like his original look from the '90s is '90s tastic. By the way, like I don't know what his bodysuit was, but you're just like that's that's so '90s. Um, but He's just, he's great. I loved him. And I have been thoroughly frustrated that we have not gotten Gambit in in, in an MCU, uh, an X-Men, anything yet. Well, what did you think Somebody of him in X-Men Origins Wolverine? He was in X-Men Origins Wolverine. You guys didn't like him in that? Right. No, that movie there, didn't exist. No. There's, there's, one, there's one point where... Taylor Kitsch did good, and that was the point where they're at the table playing cards. That was the only right. time he felt like Gamma to me. Yeah, Other that than was, that, yeah. he was just another. He was another guy. Yeah, right. I I really wanted the alleged Channing Tatum Gambit movie to happen. That never me happened. Too. Me too. Like, Especially was, when was, you remember Channing Tatum's from New Orleans. Right. I was like, sign my ass up, and it never happened. Uh, I I want yes, I want Gambit to get his due on a big screen or a small screen. Make him a team, put him in a TV show. I don't care. I just want Gambit. I love him. I miss, I'm sad that he has not been on a show. Maybe, so maybe Ryan is, Reynolds can wipe him out in Deadpool three in the post credits, you know? Look, man, look, don't, don't do that. Okay. A dick, man. We're, my favorite, my favorite X-Man. Skip it Dave's number five. And we're just going straight to Ray for his slander on killing Gambit. No, I'm just I'm kidding. Just, Dave, you don't you're number Dave. five. Would you like to punish Dave? Punish me? For, for doing what he did? Yes. Spank me, please. Somebody. Where's my wife? Well, that doesn't sound like it's punishment when you say it. Forget it. No. <laughs> um, my number five is maybe higher on somebody else's list, but it's Wolverine. It's higher on Tunnies. So there you go. Keep going. We're to Ray. Ray, you're number five. Hawkeye. And Barton. Hawkeye. Hawkeye, first and foremost, is... <laughs> I'm biased, clearly. So he's my favorite character. Um, 
other than Batman in all comics, but especially in Marvel. But I think Clint Barton is the most important non-powered Marvel character in the entire history of Marvel comics. So let's all, let's remember first and foremost, Clint Barton is again one of the very few members of the Avengers who's led them at multiple points. Clint Barton has been the person that has been entrusted to do things no other person could do. Clint Barton has been the person who, when things have broken down, has been one of the guys tasked to rebuild them. Secret Empire, who was the leader of the insurgents, Clint Barton. When uh, what started the um, the the situation that started the um, Civil War II was the Hulk being killed. Who killed Hulk? Clint Barton. Clint Barton just has a level of importance for a guy who literally is just a dude with a bow and arrow that can fight. Now, on top of that, you add that Clint Barton has maybe the most entertaining comic series of all time, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye series, which has brought us the beautiful and, 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 and just infallible K. Bishop and Lucky the fucking pizza dog who needs his own fucking series. You talk about these street-level heroes. Well, Clint Barton was a guy that fought gods and aliens. And what are the three that Sam Wilson says in, in, the, in the, the show? Yeah. Wizards, yeah. But then he also he built, he built himself as a guy that looks out for the little man. And he can feasibly do both at a level that no, I, you don't see other heroes do. Right? It's the reason why it was a big deal for Luke Cage to leave the Avengers was because, well, shit, Luke Cage wasn't a guy that gave a fuck about shit outside of Harlem. Daredevil don't give a shit about shit outside of Hell's Kitchen, right? Peter Parker tries his best to stay within the confines of Manhattan. Clint Barton would take care of his home and then go fight galactically and then go back to the house and ice the fuck up because he's a human being who, again, he just has a bow and arrow and none of this makes any sense. Bro needs to love Clint Barton, sir. Nothing. I'm just joking. No, I heard that. I heard that. Look, just yeah. Okay, you said well. You heard it. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Clint Barton is a man. I love that dude so much, and um, he is also of all the archers, probably the most interesting from in totality. That's no diss to Ali. That's no diss to any of these other ones. But just you look at the totality of his of his also. He is a linchpin for the deaf community because Clint Barton is deaf. My favorite archer is on DC side. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to Green Arrow. To, we'll get Clint, to Green Arrow next. Clint Barton also Nobody might hold the shit, record. Honey. Clint Barton might also hold the record for most resurrected character in Marvel Comics, right? How many times has he been killed and brought back to life? But think about it. He can die. Can the rest of them die? No. Clint can die, okay? So... I, I'd like a word in since we spent 20 minutes talking about Clem Barton uh, real quick. We can go further. <laughs> just, I got more. He will. I don't know, no, like but it, it's, number one. I'd like to. I'd like to finish this before the time the podcast is actually supposed to air uh, on the network. So if you uh, have to. So my only my only addition to the Clint Barton conversation, uh, uh, Greg can tell you this. Uh, we we follow this. We, we were part of this message board called Pun's House that would do drafts, like fantasy drafts of characters, and they would do draft a superhero team. And Clint Barton was my number two pick. And one of my favorite things, and the reason why I said Clint Barton was my number two, is 
he doesn't it's like you said he doesn't have powers but he makes the most out of his skill set and he was never afraid to tell captain america to stick it like he never backed down to cap ever he respected the hell out of cap but he never backed down to him and that that was just always something that was special. Kate Bishop, by the way, made her uh, debut with the Young Avengers, not uh, on Hawkeye. It had to be the nerd on that one. Sorry, but anyway, she does get mentored by by Hawkeye later. That is true. Anyway, that's me out nerding Ray today. Usually, uh, hold on, let me do race pose, and then let us move on to you got day- this widow bowed. or no? It's it's Ray's number four. Just close um, your. Number- yeah, so you tried to stun on me, and I had to come back, huh? Um, no, you didn't. You're no. still wrong. <laughs> Number four is Anthony Stark, um, a.k.a. Iron Man. He's higher on mine. Which means we move on to Dave, and your number four. Uh, my number four is the Thunder God himself, Thor. See, it rhymed. See how I did that? So, uh, you know, Thor is... um. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody I know, Ray, we touched on him on the uh, on the comic spotlight a while ago, but he's just as far as like powered characters in Marvel dumb, he's probably number one as far as like who's got the most sheer power. Maybe him. I mean, him and Captain Marvel would be a fun throwdown. I don't think we've ever really seen them go at each other, but sign me up for that one. But, you know, Thor's um, he's a. Based on all the Norse mythology and, and, you know, his, of course, the biggest antagonist of Thor is Loki and the stories that those two guys go through. Um, founding member of the Avengers, one of the guys who can stand up to the Incredible Hulk, one of the few guys who can actually stand up to the Incredible Hulk and throw down um, Molnir. In the comics, it's great because, you know, the whole thing with Donald Blake and, and the guy who's who's disabled but has the cane and he turns into this massively superpowered individual. You know, Thor's character kind of goes in some weird directions later on with the introduction of Jane Foster as Thor. And then you get all the Thor universe and better Ray Bill and all that stuff that spins off of that. But but yeah, Thor's a a character who's also evolved over the years, but it's kind of stayed true to the Norse mythology and the roots of all that. Um, I just think I, I love the character. I love what he brings to the table as far as like super powered dudes. I mean, yeah, Thor's guy who stood up to superman in jla avengers which by the way you want to have some fun ray read the interchange between clint barton and and oliver queen in jla avengers that's a fun I've time read some of that that's a fun time yes. two massive egos going against each other but uh yeah thor's just uh one of those you know he's he's one of those um a-level characters in the in in marvel comics one of the the very top of the food chain and he's one of my favorites so i got him at number four so my favorite thing about Thor is his origin in the, in the Marvel, in the Marvel comic universe. And, and the fact that Stan Lee really knew very little about Norse mythology other than the names of the various gods and that that comic book comes to light or life. Thanks to the artwork of Jack Kirby and absolutely Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby makes Thor special in the sixties in the same way that Dr. Strange is special because of the just mind warping art of, of Kirby. Like it's, it's so great and can't be understated. So yeah, great pick. He is, he's one of the pantheon. He's, he's part of the Mount. You could put him on a Mount Rushmore of Marvel heroes. Um, he's not really, 
Oh god, he's not on my oh, list because it's not a comic I read. One, I was gonna say one of the few characters that has his own font. Right. Yeah, this true. is true. When he speaks, that's absolutely right. So verily, right, so verily, Ray, verily, verily. That brings it to my number four. Uh, I'm gonna guess that this number four isn't on anybody's list either. Just cage called what we've got left in the number of not on my list I've, or higher on my list I've seen, and that is the leader of. Um, Oh God! Oh, shit! Inhumans. Uh, the, Inhumans. Well, I was going to say the Eternals. I'm like, no, Black Bolt. Um, you talk about people that are op, ridiculously powerful. Nice. Black Bolt. Black Bolt can crumble a mountain with a whisper, and is one of the most fascinating characters in, as King of the Inhumans, who is is burdened by his power, can never use his power or very rarely uses his power because of the sheer destructiveness of it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Inhumans are a type of mutants who um, are formed out of the Terrigen Mists uh, when they reach a certain age and live on the dark side of the moon uh, in sort of their own self-imposed exile, um, leave, staying away from the affairs of Earth for, for quite a long time. He, Black Bolt, is their, their leader. He is born... Um, and his power is this is is his voice that is so powerful that it can literally destroy worlds when he speaks at anything higher than a whisper. He has a very close bond with his wife and Queen Medusa when they were young and did not communicate. They developed their own sort of sign language to be able to communicate with each other. And if you want to read a great story, read War of Kings. Um where uh, and I'm trying to remember who it is he faces off with in War of Kings now. Um, I'm gonna That's lose not it. Maximus. It, it might. Yeah, I think it, you're right. Um, but Black Bolt, like he he's the leader of people trying to live in secret yet wanting to impact the universe and the world. He is a member of the quote unquote Marvel Illuminati. He is one of the power brokers of the Marvel universe, and he is one of the most powerful. He could disintegrate the Hulk by speaking to him. And it's just, he's, yeah, he's probably a little OP if, if we were going to, if we were to be honest, it's a little OP, but like he, he can always, and, oh, by the way, super sick and flaw, but you know, whatever, <laughs> like who's, who's, who's counting. Yeah. It's a great call. He's just, I mean, yeah, <laughs> the, the power set of black bolt is, is, is mind shattering to kind of think about what he can do with very, very little effort. He intentionally effort. limits himself. Like, that's what I love about him, is he intentionally limits himself because he, again, burden of responsibility, and he carries it. My last four are all about responsibility. But Kamala Khan is also probably the most famous inhuman of the re of recent times. Right. How many times, how many times has Adelan been destroyed and they just keep finding new shit? <laughs> as many times well, as yeah. Asgard. But, hey, who's counting? <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. Doesn't Asgard end up floating over Iowa at some point in time or something like that? Oklahoma. New Asgard ends up in in Oklahoma at one point. You are correct. So that's my number four. That moves on to you, Tony. Your number four, sir. My number four is Wolverine higher on anybody else's list. We have finally hit Wolverine. We have finally hit Wolverine. And I want to do the character justice because I think this is one of the most important Marvel characters in the history of Marvel comics. So I would love anybody else that had them on their list to be the first one to talk about Wolverine. 
I mean, I can go. I, I, Wolverine started off as what a uh, enemy to the Hulk, kind of like just a throwaway. A throwaway. A, he was a complete throwaway character. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, and and he was just a throwaway character who caught fire, and then ends up being, you know, arguably the number two in the X Men behind Cyclops. There's a lot of people who'd say he was the leader of the X Men or should have been. Um, I don't, I don't buy that. It was always Cyclops, but he's a guy who went from the X-Men. Then he's a member of the new Avengers and a major member of the new Avengers. Uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah, Logan's progression and, and everything he goes through and just him as a character. And he's so central to so many great stories like house of M. I mean, he's the one who, if I remember Pat, he's the first one to kind of come to the realization that, Hey, this is all bullshit and begins the, you know, the road back, so to speak. He was a major player in the Age of Ultron storyline. Him and uh, Sue Storm, another person online. He's, for somebody who started off with such humble origins, to explode in popularity the way that he did is a testament to just how the character resonates with so many people. The adamantium claws, the healing factor, so many things that, and just his attitude about everything, which is portrayed as not giving two fucks about anything, but he really does care about a lot of stuff and and he's just a tremendous character the uh old man logan storyline is fantastic death of wolverine is fantastic everything they've done with him is really really good and i i mean he's he's a complex character with a with a lot of branching stories and just one of my favorites to actually look and learn about him and see his progression as a character and just how important he is to the marvel comic universe as like the anchor you know they talk about anchor stores and he's one of those like pat you talked about the pantheon of marvel characters the mount rushmore of marvel characters you could probably make an argument wolverine belongs on there oh i think you absolutely could i think that it's it's fascinating to me because he it's like you said he wasn't really a character intended to be that important right like he was he was meant to be like you said sort of a one-off throwaway and he just had kind of a co- cool look for the time he had um they, cool they, they, again chris he, he had chris claremont created a um a character that we, like he was damaged he didn't know who he was or where he came from we you know the weapon x project like all of that uh, comes into play and it's just it's it's amazing and probably has what i would say is one of the most iconic covers that you've ever seen in his own self-titled comic and that's the one with his claws up in his right his right hand up with the claws and the other one with his finger waving forward everybody has seen that image and he's got a cool sound effect when the claws come out snick you know, snick it <laughs> Cooler sound, cool, cooler sound effect that or Iceman? Oh, for today, Iceman for sure. I I think um, I think Wolverine is hilariously overrated. Oh, I However, think he's, uh, like, yeah. it's, it's, that's why he's seven yeah. on my list. Exactly, he was number eight. Um, hilariously overrated, and Capital J Dodd and Hugh Jackman, like they should pay them for the rest of their lives for doing what they've done for Wolverine because he's one of the first characters who has blown up because of his portrayal on, on um, visual media. But the history of this man, the most, 
like, I mean, they didn't, at first he was just like a dude who was in a war and forgot who he was, weapon X, this. Then they got this man back in feudal Japan. <laughs> they have changed right. this man a million different times. But oh, he's Sabretooth is his brother. Sabretooth is his some other random guy. There's so many times they play with his kind of character. And you didn't even I, talk about Alpha Flight. I, I forgot about Alpha Flight. Good point. I think the most enjoyable thing about Wolverine, though, is that the the thing that's most often forgot is that he his mute his mutant ability had nothing to do with the adamantium. He always was able to be that guy, and the adamantium just kind of didn't overpower him, but kind of is what people remember. Um, I enjoy Boneclaw Wolverine. I enjoy Wolverine who is almost just a regular guy who has a healing factor. Um, I think he's a dope character. He's super important. I think the only two you can put no questions asked at, on the pantheon of Marvel is probably Spider-Man and Wolverine. Everybody else is up for debate, I think. So... There you go. And you mentioned the healing factor and the adamantium. And the healing factor is the reason he got the adamantium because he was the only one who was going to survive it. Next work. Yeah. Yep. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So. Well, Deathstrike. I I, I just, I I lied. Lady Deathstrike, it worked for her too. But yes, you know what I mean. Sort of. It's a little bit different. So that was, that was Wolverine. That was our number four. So we're on our number three. Yes. My number three is Deadpool. The Merc with the Mouth, uh, what, just turned 30? Uh, first appeared in yeah. uh, New Mutants in early 90s. So I, I just like the fact that he was he was a villain to begin with and just kind of turned into this amazing anti-hero that loved to piss everybody off and be comical. And I connect with that. And he knows that he's in a comic book. Like he's that the fourth wall breaking of the character was really kind of unheard of at the time. Like comic book panels would talk to you through a narration. Like that wasn't anything that was new, but a character actually turning to its audience and making jokes or cracking wise, like that was new. And it is, he's still, I think the only Marvel character that's aware that he's in a comic book. You, uh, I mean, Ray talked about Wolverine. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I forgot about it. Ray talks about Wolverine benefiting from the big screen and visual representation. He pales in comparison to Deadpool because Deadpool rose to prominence. Yeah, through was not even. I mean, but you don't you don't do you don't do that without Ryan Reynolds. Too. No, like, you don't. That's you don't. Just perfect casting. You don't. But I mean, but the but the the movie and Ryan Reynolds' visualization of the movie brought. The Deadpool character. Now, the Deadpool character existed like that before Ryan took over. People just didn't know mm-hmm. it. And then once, once, once the movie came out, people went back and rediscovered Deadpool. And let's not let's not shortchange Deadpool. This is a very superpowered individual. I mean, this is a guy who can stand up to anybody. I mean, they've got Deadpool kills the Marvel universe for a reason because he can and 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 that sort of thing. And I, he's. He's probably underrated as far as his powers because he's looked upon so comically, but you shouldn't discount what he can do as far as his well, abilities. It's like, uh, it's like a character I almost put on my list, but didn't. It's like Squirrel Girl, right? Like phenomenal cosmic powers, ridiculous yep. abilities, doesn't use them to like destroy the world because they're kind of they're kind of 
well, let's just say odd and quirky and a little bit more about the fun, if you will. And and that's totally fine. By the way, can we all just take a moment to discuss the worst representation of Deadpool ever? And that would also be from our Wolverine Origins movie where Ryan Reynolds wasn't good. That's why he went back in time and killed himself. Right. You're talking about the whole crazy. movie or just when they turned him into, they, they shut his mouth? Because before, it wasn't bad. But Wade Wilson wasn't bad. Yet. He was, yeah, but he wasn't He wasn't Deadpool yet. He was just Wade Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was bad, Ray. Bad. There, there, yeah, there's no other way. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So my number three, let's talk about the Fantastic Four. So I had I had Reed Richards slash Mr. Fantastic. I'm assuming Tony either had Thing or Human Torch. Um because Ray, didn't you say you had Sue Storm? I had Sue Storm, yes. Yeah, I had so Ben. Good, you, had, you had Ben Graham. And Dave had the whole group. Let's just so, say I had Johnny for fucks, you know, just for shits and for, giggles. For there giggles. you go. Um and Get yeah, them. I think we could each and we could each talk about the characters a little bit in turn. Like we can each just talk about our own. Uh for me, Reed Richards, again, it's the burden that that he kind of carries. It's so fascinating to see what the MCU has done to the Marvel comic universe because Tony Tony Stark is now regarded as the the the, the genius of Marvel, and it was never. It was always Reed Richards. Reed Richards is the smartest being on Earth six one six, and like he he defeats Galactus. He creates the ultimate nullifier to defeat Galactus and force Galactus away from Earth. He, 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 he thinks it and it comes to be. He is the genius. He is the inventor. Uh, his power set is completely immaterial, in my opinion. Don't, and he can do like, you know, it's, it's a fairly common power set um, that was invented well before him in, in the DC universe with Plastic Man. So it's not, even, it's not even really all that creative or unique. What's creative and unique about him and is what kind of makes Marvel special is the guilt that he feels about what happens to Ben Grimm yeah. when they turn into the Fantastic Four. That he, like he dedicates his you know, early character to trying to undo what happened to Ben and his rivalry with Victor Von Doom. And that it's for him, it was always an academic rivalry, but Doom who is my number one villain, if I remember correctly from all of from ours. the villain, all of ours, like doom was obsessed with Reed's genius and couldn't stand it. And, and Reed just wasn't that guy. And so he's, he's why he was the member of the fantastic four I picked. So, um, Tony, why don't you tell us? Oh, go ahead. Ray. I just wanted to say a shout out to the fact that he's so, such a, a great mind that, his heel, his heel version, the maker, may be top five on the villain list. Right, and this is the a second member of the the Marvel Illuminati, by the way. Um, one of the big deci- like decision makers. Tony, you had been grim. Talk to us about the ever loving thing. Yeah, another test pilot guy exposed to cosmic radiation, and 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 while he is the tough guy of the Fantastic Four, he's probably the most tragic, considering his transformation. Right. Um, anybody that's got a 37% winning percentage against the Hulk is pretty goddamn tough. They've fought 11 times and he won four of them. Granted a couple times, mind control crutches, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, the thing is, 
man, if you're if you're picking people to go to battle with, I'm gonna take Hulk, I'm gonna take Thing, and I'm probably gonna take Stark. And you pick your other three, and let's see what happens. So I, I enjoy the Fantastic Four. I can't wait to see if they can do something good with this. Like I think we're all looking forward to this movie in the fact. Right, fingers crossed. Like you can tell the Fantastic Four in a phenomenal way, just not the way they've been telling it. So I, there's an understatement. Ray, you chose Sue Storm, arguably the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. Well, I'm glad you said that because most people wouldn't wouldn't know that. Most people think she's just oh she can turn invisible. She is one of the most powerful people. Whether you want to call her a mutant or not, you could call her a mutant in many ways. But one of the most powerful people in the in the Marvel universe. But I look at it this way. Um, ben Grimm is the strongest physically. Reed is clearly the, the leader and the smartest. And Johnny has the coolest power that gives him the most ability to do things. Sue is the glue that holds the team together. You said it perfectly, Patrick. The majority of the beginning of the Fantastic Four, the first family of Marvel, Reed is just trying to fix what he fucked up or he thinks he fucked up. Who's holding the team together the entire time? Sue. Sue is the one that has to always keep the team together in many ways in, in almost every way not only from a professional standpoint but personally because she is mrs reed richards you know and she is the brother the big sister of johnny storm and she is has a very special relationship with ben Grimm outside of ben and reed's best friendship so the things that sue has to embark upon just as a person in that group, but the only woman in that group and ultimately the prevailing glue of that group. And then the things she's done individually, you talked about the age of Ultron storyline. They don't fix that without Sue. Um, and then you add to the fact that, yeah, Oh yeah. Secretly. Yeah. She's probably one of the most powerful people in the world. She's not just an invisible person, but she has the ability to control and exhibit and exude force fields and all of the things that she can do. Sue is just such a dope character and is so important in the Marvel universe proper. Here's here's one of my favorite things about Sue Storm. Tony talked about um, Thing batting 370 against the Hulk. She's batting 1,000. <laughs> Speak she on it, brother. She defeated. She, uh, and she did it in the most simple way possible. She just put a force field around his head. He's lack of oxygen knocked him out. Genius. Sue Storm for the win. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. Dave, talk about Johnny Storm. Well, that was, that was a fight to watch. Well, I, you know, I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, bloop. Great. Lesnar just suplexed Cena 19 times. Yeah. It was over three minutes. <laughs> Fucking well, awesome. I'm so was, glad I paid for that. It was the main <laughs> of, yeah, No, you, you, you make a good point, though. Ray summarized, Dave's, like, Johnny Storm that he's probably got the coolest power set of the Fantastic Four with the whole flame on thing. Uh, you know, the reason I kept them all together is that when I look at like some of the other big super groups, like the Avengers, um, each one of those members has broken out on their own and has iconic solo stories, X-Men, Wolverine to a great extent, the rest of them, not so much, uh, but Fantastic Four. And I agree with you, Pat, as far as Reed Richards, he is by far the smartest person in all of Marvel. But when I look at like 
I can't really think of memorable solo runs that the Fantastic Four characters had, but you keep them all together. They are, like Ray said, the first family of Marvel. And there's a reason why they keep going back to, like Tony's saying, to try and make that movie because they are so important to Marvel Comics. And they are so iconic and so beloved by so many people that it's a travesty that we're not getting a good movie out of this thing. And I think that's a motivating factor for Marvel, the MCU, to say, we can do this. We can make a good Fantastic Four movie. Hopefully it's it's going to be a lighter movie like Guardians of the Galaxy was instead of some of the shit well, we've seen. And if I they bring a- Silver Surfer along, great. Hold on. I got I got a comp for you. Pause for a second. Because here's here's what I want to see. I want I got a DC universe comp for you, oh and not necessarily in tone, but the big thing about the Fantastic Four is that they're a family. Period. They got to go Shazam. I agree with the 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 thematic element of family with those four. And I'm not talking about the goofy shenanigans, whether you like Shazam or not. But the big thing about the Fantastic Four that makes them special within the MCU is that they are fundamentally, they're a family and that that is what allows them to overcome obstacles as a team, whether it's Sue holding the group together, whether it's Johnny and things rivalry and they're always getting after each other, whether it's Reed's genius, all of it has to work together for them to succeed. And the thing that has really been lost and has been lost in every attempt at a Fantastic Four movie that we've seen so far, uh, is that they don't feel like a family. Like, they really don't. And some of that's bad casting. Um, some of it is, you know, that that's the, the reboot one, they're all teenagers. And it's just it's, it doesn't work. Like, that's not who they are. And it showed. So... That's that's the thing is they got to have that element of family amongst them. And I think that that'll really carry them wherever they go. And for me, you said Silver Surfer. I want them to fight one of the ridiculous enemies. I want them to go after Fin Fang Foom if you're not going to bring Doom into the MCU. What's what's the what's the mole monster guy? Mole Man. Mole Man. Yeah. He's literally Mole Man. If I can be honest to my company here present jessica elba is a horrible actress that i that that checks yeah no you won't get any disputing company great owner of the honest company and by the way blind and krasinski is that who we're hoping are the sue and reed yeah really that's the rumors john krasinski jim yeah he was he was supposed to be captain america so like well, they even won the casting for a minute. Jim's gonna be Jim for the rest of his life, and he ain't married to That's his true. wife anymore either. That's in Quiet Place too. So there you go. Right there you go. So um, best Fantastic Four movies ever made: The Incredibles and The Incredibles Two. Um, true facts. Facts. There, those are and he, that that is the fan, both of those movies are the Fantastic Four. Literally, the end of The Incredibles with the Underminer showing up as Mole Man. And syndrome is Dr. Doom. Like, there's just no question about it. So, anyway, good good call on the Fantastic Four. A comic book group I don't think gets as much love as they deserve. Because they aren't quite as flashy as the Avengers or the X-Men or, you know, the Thunderbolts or any not, number of teams. And they're not benefiting from recency bias. Because their recency well, bias anyway. operates against them. 
word. Right. So, well, and there, and there's the, also the whole kerfuffle about what Marvel decided to do with him publishing wise. Like they stopped the fantastic four for a while. Okay. Enough on that. That brings us to, I lost track of who it is again. So drink, did we do, was it my number three? It was my number three. Cause I did Reed Richards was my number three. So that was fantastic four. So Dave, you're number three. My number three is Anthony Stark, Iron Man. So we've reached Iron Man here. Uh, this yeah. is a, another character that we covered on one of the comic spotlights, so we don't have to go too deep into it. But yeah, Iron Man is one of the more... I, I have him really high on this list because A, he is a founding member of the Avengers, and B, his character is so complex. There, He's out of all the super-powered individuals, and he's only super-powered because of the suit. He's the most human of all the characters that are out there because of all the problems that he has and all the issues that he has to deal with. I mean, the alcoholism, the insecurity, the everything that he goes through. I mean, he, he, he is always evolving, always trying to improve himself, always having, I don't know. He doesn't have the burden of responsibility like Pat's saying, but he's got the burden to himself. He's a burden to himself. He knows it. And he's always trying to overcome that. Um, his technology, he's not Reed Richards, but his tech is hugely important, especially to the Avengers and Avengers Tower and everything like that. So he doesn't have the greatest rogues gallery of, of villains, but he's got some of the better stories that are out there and some of the more powerful, sort some of the more emotional stories involve Iron Man. And, and that's why I've got him this high, just because he's the most, in my opinion, one of the more complex characters to to read through. And to kind of relate with and, and and absorb, so that's why I got him number three. I had him at eight. I equate him to like I almost equate him always to uh, Marvel's Batman a little bit. Very right? much so. Uh, I love the fact, and, and and people need to know this. Like this character is loosely based off of Howard Hughes, and when you think about Howard Hughes and you think about Tony Stark, you really start to appreciate the character a lot more. Right, like what, go go what what uh, Leo did the Howard Hughes movie, uh, not Catch Me If You Can. The Aviator, the Aviator, Aviator, excellent movie as well. Uh, watch that, and and Howard Hughes would really give you a more understanding of how they wrote Tony Stark into the comics. So, love the character. I had him at eight. He's also much like Hank Pym, even though Hank Pym is a sociopath. He is kind of burdened by him. Oh, yeah. He's 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 burdened by his own genius because he's a futurist and he can't live in the present because he's always so thinking of the future. He's almost burdened by his genius. And a lot of the other geniuses aren't burdened like that in the MCU. So no, and the MCU's portrayal of Iron Man, not MCU, Marvel, Marvel comics, but the all. MCU's portrayal of Iron Man really altered how people perceived him and looked at him because they look at him very differently than what he's portrayed in the comics In the comics. He's very troubled in the MCU. Not yep. so much. But some of the best Iron Man stories are where his tech goes wrong or somebody gets his tech like Armor Wars or Age of Ultron or any of that stuff. It's where tech, his genius is used against him. And some of those are some of the best Iron Man stories that there are. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting character. Right. I um, I actually didn't have Tony Stark on my list. I left him just on the outside. And again, it kind of comes down to I um, who who I've always appreciated, connected with more. Uh, you know, Demon in a Bottle is probably one of the most famous story arcs in comic book history, uh, and so there's there's really no arguing there. But it's it's fascinating what 
films did to create a um to create a bigger um a footprint for the character because yeah. he was he was a, he was a big character like he was important but he wasn't important with a capital yeah. i and the movies happened and that that really changed things uh excellent so ray i think we're to you uh, yes. with your number three let's run through this pretty quick my number three is t'challa the black panther um he is my number three for a myriad of reasons. Um, number one, you speak about responsibilities and burdens. He's a king. He is the king of the most te- technologically proficient country in the entire world. He is also a king of a country that has been long isolationist. And his he originally gets involved because he's just protecting his country, but realizes, you know what, there's more shit out here I got to protect. So a guy who is very... Chadwick Boseman did great, but Chadwick Boseman did not portray T'Challa in the comics because T'Challa in the comics is a grump who doesn't like any fucking body and only does what he feels he needs to do. And he'll he'll fight anybody just because he feels he has to. But yet he's also on every damn team. <laughs> he's on the Ultimates. He's in the Avengers. He's on this. He's on that. Um, but yeah, T'Challa. Also, he's one of the few people in the Marvel Universe you can say has actually saved the world. There's not a lot of people. He saved the world. A lot of people have saved their city or their country. He has saved the world. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Black Panther. Also, another member of the Illuminati who decided to say, fuck it. I'm going to fight all you motherfuckers. That's T'Challa. <laughs> yeah. I His, had, uh, go ahead, Pat. Ta-Nehisi's Co- Ta-Nehisi Coates' run is about to come to an end on that comic. And if you haven't read his run, I would strongly recommend you do so. Yes, sir. That's I had, all I was gonna. Add. I had Black Panther number seven. Um, I thought when he becomes a member of the Avengers after the original Avengers kind of disbanded when Thor and Iron Man and they kind of go their own way and it's just Cap, Hawkeye, you know, Clint, Clint's there, um, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Black Panther come in. Uh, he was really kind of there with Cap as far as a a a member of the Avengers who really kind of grounded the team during a really a big period of upheaval in the history of the Avengers. They go through a lot of shit during that phase after the original run where it's that group and the new Avengers. And they get a lot of criticism from the general public who want the old guard back. And, and T'Challa is one of those ones who really kind of steps up to it, steps to the forefront and brings that team forward. Never mind all the stuff that Ray's talking about with the responsibility of being the king of Wakanda and everything that he goes through, his battles with, uh, doesn't Doom end up putting him in like a coma or something? And that's where Shuri takes over for a while, if I remember correctly. Yep. So, and then his Peter Griffin and the Big Chif- Chicken esque feud with Namor. Oh, uh-huh. right. And uh, and, and, and I mean, when it. It was great. I mean, and like if you've ever read Avengers versus X Men, oh man, Wakanda and the war between Wakanda and and Atlantis, especially yep. after Namor gets the Phoenix Force is some of the most powerful stuff. And and in that one, like T'Challa has to make a very important decision, basically to go against everything he believes and submit to Namor, because he knows I've got to save my people at the, yep. even at the expense of his own ego and his own beliefs. He's, I got to save my people. So yeah, he's a, a immensely important character in, in Marvel comics. So yeah, great call Ray to have him, have him where you had him. Right. And so much for being quick through that one, Ray, let's move on to your number two. No, Peter kidding. Parker. Higher on my list. Yeah. Yep. We, we, oh, trust me, we know, sir. 
Uh, anybody anybody knows who my number one is. So that brings it to Dave with your number well, two. My number two is Peter Parker, Spider-Man as well. <laughs> so that brings it to my number three, which means that this is probably higher on another list because my number two is Steve Rogers slash Captain America. He's my number one. So, my number one as well. Tony's number two. My number two is the Hulk. boy. I almost put him number one, but I couldn't. Um, he, he, he is the strong, like take away like dirty voodoo. He is the strongest motherfucker ever. Right. We all know this period. End of story. And then you think about before the MCU, he, he, he is the second, probably maybe the most popular Marvel character. Go ahead, Ray. I see you leaning in. Oh, I ain't saying shit. I don't fuck with the Hulk. So. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> I mean, I could I could jump in here because he was number six on my list. The Hulk, as far as a character, maybe no other Marvel character goes through so many evolutions as the Hulk does from mindless brute to where he ends up in World War Hulk or Planet Hulk and, and everything in between. He he exactly. He's very complex, but he like Tony says, he is the most powerful character, at least Earth 616 based character that there probably is. So much so, but he's a loose cannon and so much so that the Illuminati decides we've got to banish him and get him the fuck out of here. And then the wrath of the Hulk and the price that the Illuminati has to pay for that decision is some of the best storytelling in comic history. It's fantastic. Um, Hulk say further than that, right? Like he booted out of the original Avengers. Yeah, right. He was a founding member of the Avengers, but couldn't be controlled. And one of the big, big evolutions is where Bruce does get some level of control over him and you get smart Hulk and then you get red Hulk and she Hulk and everything that branches off from that. People forget the Hulk, the original Hulk wasn't stupid. Like go back. He could talk. He could talk. He just, he just was not. (laughs) Well, but, but every, like part of the reason why he gets kicked out and he like he leaves because they don't understand him like they they mistrust him oh, he's he is the and most so he, volition. he is the most volition. misunderstood <laughs> character in all of marvel by far the most misunderstood misinterpreted most miss you know maligned character in marvel comics for m- most of the time for all the wrong reasons yeah i to my biggest point i can make for putting him number two on my list is does anybody else have more battles with both good and bad guys? I mean, come on. Like oh, he's yeah. fought almost yeah. everybody. You're right. You're, no, I mean, you're right. Yeah. I always love, um, you talk about just sheer force of will and power and there's nothing to beat the Hulk. I, they, they used to always do this chart of like strength set and Hulk was all Hulk is always number one. Uh, yeah. And his strength grows every time. Like he gets angry. People talk about the Ang Lee movie and get really because it's you know it's not the greatest. It's it's a very interesting take to say the least. One of the things he absolutely got right though was the Hulk growing and being more powerful every time he got shot and more angry. Like that was a real thing, and is one of the few things that they kind of got right. By, by the way, I fuck with Bruce Banner. I just don't fuck with the Hulk. Right. <laughs> so yeah, excellent choice number for for number two, Tony. Who you got as number one? Go ahead, Patrick. Is it Spider Man time? 
I love Spider-Man so much. I have Spider-Man Mickey Mouse ears right here next to me. Got the shirts doing the whole thing. I'm not even wearing the ridiculous over-the-top print Spider-Man shirt. And you talk about characters that I, that I like Peter Parker. I get Peter Parker so hard. Peter Parker, teenage Peter Parker was me as a teenager, right? Awkward kid, smart, was picked on by bullies. Um, was you know he never got the girl. He was never like I get Peter Parker and identified with that part of him and that whole sense of wanting of of being of freedom that he has when he becomes spider-man and who he is when he becomes spider-man and is behind the mask um i love him i I love every second of, of every panel everything i've ever read with him i i will do anything to catch spider-man in any medium um and it's you know like he's 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 a scientist he never feels like he belongs there but he totally belongs there uh in those strength charts for the longest time he was number four in the strength chart it would go hulk thor thing spider-man number four because of his of of his ratio uh ratioed strength to our proportionate strength to a spider uh, and people people forget about that because you know he's this little dude. He's lifting cars and throwing them around and just doing all this crazy stuff. Um, and again, he's he has the burden of responsibility. Like his decision to become a like he doesn't take his power and do something noble with it. He he goes to try and make money because he's a teenager and he wants a car. And and because of his like negligence, his his father figure dies and he carries that with him and it makes him a hero and it molds him and he finds himself. You talked about being on every major team. Name a team. Spider-Man's been on it. He's been a member of the Fantastic Four. He's been a member of the Avengers. He's been a member of um, the West Coast Avengers. He's been everywhere. You name it, he's done it. And and he never feels like he belongs. He always is just happy to be there. He has, He is part of one of my favorite panels of all time, where he's standing next to Doctor Doom and I can't remember what the what the story is, but he's like warp speed, Mister Spock, and Doom standing next to him is like Sulu, and Parker's like what? And Doom is like it's Sulu that put people to warp speed, not Spock. It's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> like, Peter Parker standing next to Doctor Doom, um, black suit Spider Man. It doesn't matter. You you give it in all his iterations, and, and he is Marvel Comics, like period. Like he is. The iconic character of Marvel Comics. Well, he has some of the best villains in Marvel Comics for himself. In addition, I think if you take before Mar- MCU, right? Oh, I yeah. Think before MCU, he's the only superhero in comic books that can stand up to popularity with Batman and Superman, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no dispute. Individual, yeah. I have one qualm what you said, Patrick. One qualm. You said Spider-Man can't get the girl? Spider-Man had, had three of the baddest bitches in Marvel history. No, I, he does. He does get... I, I mean, yeah, he got, he got Gwen. He got, he got Ray Jane. He's in love and with And Felicia man. Hardy. And Felicia Hardy. Remember, she was crazy I, about his ass, too. Felicia Hardy was crazy about Spider-Man, not about Peter Parker. Right. Doesn't matter. That was him. 
matters. It matters because he, he just had to it. leave the suit on when he yeah. was getting busy with her, right, Ray? That that's how that that's works, right? <laughs> Keep the, just hit the luchador. Keep the mask on. Yeah. El Santo. Pop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I. So I mean, like, I think you got like Spider Man. We've got like Spider Man and Captain America, which are our number ones collectively. Because Ray, yours is Captain America, right? So it's really one A and one B. I mean, that that yeah. that's how close they actually are, but. As far as Spider-Man, yeah, I mean, he's he is as iconic as they get for Marvel Comics. Peter Parker is as iconic as they get. I, I mean, you look at some of the stories that they had. I mean, the death of Gwen Stacy story arc or that episode, that issue redefined what comics were because they never did that before. They never killed off a major character like they did with the death of Gwen Stacy. But he's yeah, Peter's just so relatable to so many of us because we're bandwagon nerds for a reason because we all had so many different sorts of uh, experiences that we could relate to Peter and, and what he was going through and how many of us didn't kind of wish, man, I wish I could get bit by a radioactive spider so I could have spider strength. I could have spider senses. Uh, I could, I could, you know, I mean, depending on which person was writing the comics, either he actually organically shot webs or he had a web shooter that he developed to do that. It really is irrelevant because it was still cool. Whatever he was doing, Tunney's right. He's got the best rogues gallery of, of villains probably in anybody of Marvel with the whole Sinister Sticks that you talked about earlier, Pat. Never mind. Well, Green Goblin's a member of the Sinister Stick Six as well. But, you oh, know, he, he was the original foil for Kingpin. Right. He's the reason we have Venom. He's He's got Venom. He's got Carnage. He's got um, Rhino. Doc, oh, Mysterio, Electro, Doc, Mysterio. Electro. Yeah. No, I, you guys were talking about the Sinister. I was trying to name people who weren't in the Sinister Six. Like I was All like, Shocker. Sorry. Yeah. Shocker, Vulture. They're all part of. It. But I mean, um, he's he's just. Lizard. Yeah, he's just such an awesome character to to go with, and everything that he brings to Marvel. So yeah, it's a great call. Spider-Man number two or number one. I mean, really, you're splitting hairs at this point. So do we want to Ep- talk our number ones, or are we still talking Spider-Man? Just Ep- let me add Black one. Panther and Spider-Man ever met up? Sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Have, well, they I mean, fought, have they ever fought each other? No. no. They've always been They've oh. always been allies. Yeah. I mean, like... I got, a black, I got a black cat who looks like a panther, and he <laughs> loves to eat spiders. I think that'd be pretty cool. One of the, bi- what, one of the right, big so things about... America. Yeah, before we leave Spider-Man, one of the big things that you mentioned, Pat, his membership in all these different groups, when they brought him in, that was a huge moment in Civil War where he shows up and where Marvel got the rights to bring him in for that. That was massive because Spider-Man's been one of the biggest members of the Avengers. Chills. Chills when he showed in the first trailer. The first trailer, I was like, like, because you heard the rumors, you heard the rumors, and then there he is. Hey, everyone. And it was just perfect. The original... The Civil War comic. He was the yeah. one that yeah. changed the the tide when he unmasked he, for Cap. Yeah, and he's the one who also changes the course of the Avengers versus X Men battle because he's the one who changes that whole thing around. Um, so yeah, he's he's not looked upon. I I don't think people look at him because he's he strength wise. You look at him and say, well, he shouldn't be able to hang with something like Thor or the Hulk or something like that. But he repeatedly does. Um, right now, going to Captain America. Go he, ahead, Pat. He, he beat the Kingpin within an inch of his life. Right, and you mentioned Hulk that in the, the villain King. project that the Kingpin Hulk was re- the Kingpin was ready for that fight. He had trained for that fight. He was mentally prepared, and it didn't matter. Spider, 
fucked his shit up. Because he knew it that Kingpin had awesome. put the hit on Aunt May. So yeah, that was not going to... Yeah, when, when Spidey gets focused, that's a problem is Peter, it can be a little scatterbrained at times. But when he's focused, he's one of the best that there is. Um, so Ray right. and I are number one. Ray, do you want to talk Steve Rogers or you want me to? Or, or how do you want to do this? I and, mean... I'll go. I'll go first. You go next. I won't be long. I'll you just go, say man. this: um, He is the heart and soul of, of Marvel. He is the heart and soul of Marvel. There's a reason in every team he's the leader. There's a reason in every world or in every storyline or in every arc, he's looked at as the 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 person that you kind of pull from. There's a reason why he's been. He was the guy in Civil War One. He was the guy pulling the strings in Civil War Two. Secret Empire was such a big deal because. He turned on everybody, you know, um, he he is what Superman means to DC, to Marvel. And he's just a dude who got a serum in his veins. So and there's a million different things we could talk about. I know we're short on time and I'll cede my time to Dave. But in terms of importance, Peter Parker, Spider-Man may be more important to the business of, of Marvel. No, no question. But in terms of just the stories. I don't think anybody's more important than Steve Rogers. I got to kind of echo a lot of what Ray says. Uh, There's a different level of responsibility that Captain America has that Spider-Man does. And, and his responsibility is is to just the world essentially. And, and like Ray raises a good point, secret empire. If people haven't read secret empire, you've got to read that to understand what Captain America means to Marvel and how his, the simple act of making him a Hydra sleeper agent who suddenly comes to realize I'm a Hydra sleeper agent and how everything devolves from that point tells you all you need to know about how important this character is to Marvel because everything goes to shit because of that. And even in that, he was still trying to do the right thing in his own mind. In his mind, right. Even at the, you know, and that's right. I mean, in his mind, Warped Dory was, he was still trying to do the right thing some of the best stuff is when the the original steve rogers comes back and defeats the evil steve rogers their conversations with each other are some of the most fascinating shit you will ever read in a comic book we talked earlier about whether it's just kids stuff or literary stuff man read those conversations to the same person different sides of the same coin talking to each other back and forth about their ideology is some of the most fascinating powerful stuff i've ever read in comics but yeah, I mean, he's been the cornerstone of the Avengers. I talked earlier when the original Avengers split, the one who stayed behind, Steve Rogers. And he brought that team forward through everything that they went through. He's, um, yeah, I mean, when he gets killed on the steps of the of the Supreme Court, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. Captain America is my number one. I mean, one of the few comic book characters who, again, when, when they killed him off, it made like the news. Like not just like, not just like comic book news, like the news. So uh, there, there's no, there's really no debate um, when you're looking at these two characters, like Spider-Man, Captain America. They are, they are one A, one B. However you want to look at it, and with that, I think that's going to do it for this week's um, project. We've only got one list left. That is our top 10 heroes from the DC universe. I look forward to learning a lot. I look forward to 10 versions of the flash from one PC Tunny. Uh, I look forward to at least seven versions of green lantern from either Dave or Ray. Um, 
I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't Ray, know. Ray, who's See my number I, one going to be? Just, just you know. Dave's list is no, no. Dave's list is number ten's Batman. Nine through one is Superman. Plastic Man. Stacy no, Ogden. Dave's list. Shout Dave, out to Stacy Ogden. No, 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 no. Dave's number one is Henry Cavill. That everybody's wrong. <laughs> I'm, That's fair. That's fair. Is mayonnaise an instrument? What a go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is. All right, we're going to go to the sports side of things uh, today. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball. And the reason we're going to talk some Major League Baseball is because Memorial Day weekend is often a time when we get some unique uniforms and some throwback unis and some looks. And you know how in wrestling there are bell marks? I'm a uniform mark. Like when there's like special edition uniforms or throwbacks, I, I get excited for them. And so... Don't care about the sport. I may have even asked this question before, but if you could bring back any look for a sports team, any uniform look for a sports team that you want to have come back, give me give me one. Actually, I'll let I'll let, I'll let you do two. You can, you can do two throwback unis you would like to see back in a regular rotation. I um I will go first. Um I. One, as a St. Louis Cardinal fan, I, I, lo- I some people hate them, some people love them. I loved the powder blue 1980s St. Louis Cardinal uniforms. People either think the robin egg blue. The other one, I love the original Tampa Bay Devil Ray jersey with the rainbow lettering and the rainbow ray on the black hat. Loved that look. Thought it was cool. Those are my two unis that I would bring back. And the Tampa Bay one and the baby blues were were being dropped this weekend uh, in Major League Baseball. Who wants I'll, to go, Ray? I'll, 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 go ahead, Ray, if you're ready. Um, yeah, one of them is kind of in rotation. Well, both of them are because the, the rise of throwbacks, uh, you know, on random days. But the sleeveless Pittsburgh Pirate jerseys, love them joints. Love them joints. How about and the hat? The, the black hat with the yellow stripes around the side with the P dog. Yellow stripes around it. I may hate Pittsburgh, but like they have dope-ass jerseys. Yes, the black and gold for every team is beautiful. And the Vince Carter era Toronto Raptors jerseys. Love them things. Nice. Tony, what you got, buddy? Uh, San Diego Chargers, the powder blue with the old-school bolts is always excellent. Houston Astros striped old-school from the Astrodome with Nolan Ryan pitching is also phenomenal. But for crying out loud... Can we bring back wearing the shorts like the Chicago White Sox, baby? Oh, man. Welcome. Happy Memorial Day, motherfuckers. Damn. Dave. I'd say I want to see the Colorado Avalanche go back to the Quebec Nordiques (laughs) uniforms a lot more often. Um, I like the Washington Capitals to bring back the Screaming Eagle. I, I think that's a great look for them. And, um, I'm a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers creamsicle with the old pirate, the swashbuckler on the helmet. I love that thing. The Laz brothers. Ugh. 
Wow. Okay. Well, there you have it, everyone. That's going to do it for this extended edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Next week, probably going to be a long one, too, as we look at the mainstream heroes of the DC Universe. As always, thank you, everyone, for listening. Now, climb out of the basement and dig out some Marvel comics. Do some reading. Happy Memorial Day. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Oh, no, wait a minute, Peter. We uh, we need to talk. Well, we can talk later. Well, we can talk now, if you let me. But what do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your Aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You, you have all those weird experiments in, in, your, in your room. You, you start fights at school. We I didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Yeah, well, you sure as hell finished. What was I supposed to do? Run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away, but... Pete, look, you're changing. I know I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. That thing does not obey the laws of physics at all. Look, kid, there's a lot going on here that you don't understand. Stark says you'd say that. Stark, tell you anything else? That you're wrong, you think you're right, that makes you dangerous. Uh. 
cierto. You got hard, kid. Where are you from? Queens. Brooklyn. <laughs>